Blog Talk Radio. What up, though? It's Monday, and it's your Uncle Snoop D-O-Double-G. I see a lot of you guys trying to look tough out there, just wearing T-shirts when the mercury's dropping. That don't make you tough. It makes you cold. So put a jacket on, fellas. You hear me? Good call, Snoop. And tomorrow, only at Old Navy, all outerwear is 40 to 50% off, starting at just 20 bucks. Plus, everything else in the store is 40% off now till Wednesday. Sounds like y'all better run the Old Navy, baby. You did. Excludes gift cards. Love Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Hello, folks, and thank you once again for coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the growing conservative conversation and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network just by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. Now, tonight we have on the line a very special guest. Uh, we're going to bring him on uh, right away, and that is Morton Blackwell. Mr. Blackwell, thank you very much for calling to the show. How are you? Happy to be with you. Great, great. I really appreciate it. And uh, first, of course, um, it is an honor to have you on to the show. And I must start by saying that the uh, Spring RNC meeting means much to the grassroots uh, conservatives and can actually have some reverberations across America for the Republican Party. I think you're right. So what, what I'd like to start off uh, first there is uh, you did have in your letter to Lynch Priebus that you state uh, that in the discussion you've had with the chairman, he'd agreed with you 100% uh, on some things. Could you elaborate on what some of those things were, and do you believe he was as sincere uh, in those conversations, or is there, and is there any indication outside of the discussion that he will support your motion? Well, perhaps we should explain that uh, I'm the Virginia Republican National Committee man and am a, mem- am a member of the 168-member Republican National Committee. And the current rules uh, say that the Republican National Committee uh, can amend uh, certain of those rules, not all of them, uh, but it requires a 75% vote. And I have uh, pre-submitted a motion to to repeal all that can be repealed uh, of the actions of the Convention Rules Committee uh, at the National Convention in Tampa last summer. Um, the uh, rules had been gone over by the RNC's Standing Committee on Rules for four years, certain uh, modest uh, reforms that had the party in the direction of allowing more power to flow from the bottom up had been uh, passed. Uh, that committee reported to the Republican National Committee, which unanimously endorsed the report of that committee on which I served, and then it went to the Convention Rules Committee. And at the Convention Rules Committee, a, uh, a man from uh, the District of Columbia uh, delegation, uh, a man named Ben Ginsburg, um, representing himself correctly as the spokesman of the Romney campaign, proceeded to undo virtually all of the reforms that had been advanced over the past four years, plus went back and unsettled things which had been settled uh, for 
decades, if not generations, in the rules. And the thrust of what he did was to centralize power uh, in the party it, uh, into the hands of of the, the chairman uh, and uh, blocked up ways by which power might flow from the bottom up. And it was an outrage. If you mm -hmm. paid attention to the convention, you'll know there was a big uproar over the rules when uh, the Convention Rules Committee was reported uh, onto the floor of the convention. There was a voice vote. And the yeas and nays were uh, virtually equally loud, but uh, Speaker Boehner was chairing the convention and declared that the, the ayes have it. But it was an enormous outrage because grassroots conservatives uh, have a, a strong interest in opening the party at the bottom, welcoming newcomers to the party, and we need uh, new conservatives, particularly conservative uh, grassroots activists who are inclined to be with the Republican Party. We need them to, to join us, and we must, in order to encourage uh, people to participate in the party, treat newcomers fairly politely and if possibly if, uh, if it's at all possible treat them cordially uh, there were plenty of examples where there was a lack of, of fairness politeness and certainly cordiality uh, in matters that related to the to the run-up to and at the Tampa convention but this was a, this is a big deal uh, for for grassroots conservatives um, and plenty of people who became active politically for the first time through the Tea Party operation, um, the people who became active through the, the, the Ron Paul campaign, uh, and, and grassroots conservatives in, in general, um, are needed if the Republican Party is again to become a majority party. And so it is going to be a showdown in Los Angeles. Uh, in my judgment, whether or not my motion succeeds uh, is determined uh, by uh, whether or not the national chairman writes previous strongly supports uh, my position on it. He, he did in conversation with me tell me he uh, agreed with me 100%, um, but it is not at all clear that he is going to uh, support uh, my motion. There will be a good number of members of the Republican National Committee who will support my motion, and mm -hmm. thousands of people around uh, it's not millions of people around the country because it's it's already the battle has uh, has been circulated around through uh, the social media so that there are lots oh, yeah. and lots of people, uh, including uh, you, who are interested in in what is going to happen there. This is unusual in matters that relate to the rules of the Republican Party. Usually, people talk about uh, the platform of the party and the fight is what's going to be in the platform, but. This time, uniquely because of the power grab that Ben Ginsburg pulled on behalf of the Romney campaign in, in Tampa, there's, there is unprecedented attention. And I've been at this for a long time. I've personally attended all the meetings of the Convention Rules Committee at the National Convention since 1972. Wow, it's incredible. Now, I've, I've had some uh, folks ask some questions. I do have uh, some on the line as well who'd like to chime in, as you asked earlier, uh, you know, off air. But one I've got here is from uh, Red Christie, who is uh, a host of another uh, blog talk radio show, which is uh, the Texan Rex show, which can be heard 
on Sunday evenings at 10 p.m. Eastern Time to Midnight. And he was asking, uh, are there any other rules other than 12, uh, 16, and 40 that need to be worried about? Well, uh, yes, there are. It's interesting that he knows the the rule numbers. Um, The... of those three, only Rule 16 is open to amendment because Rule 12, which allowed the, for the first time for the Republican National Committee to change the rules between con- conventions, Rule 12 was put in there, but you can't amend uh, uh, Rule 12 or I think it's any uh, rule at, at a higher number than, than 22, I believe. Uh, so uh, there are there are plenty of things. Just give you a couple of, of examples. One of the reforms that was passed in the Standing Committee on Rules uh, was to provide that the chairman of the Republican National Committee's Resolutions Committee be elected by the members of that committee. Years ago, uh, I was part of a reform which made. The, the eight rules committee members elected to per region, but the national chairman still had the power to appoint the chairman. And one of the reforms was to allow the committee to elect its own chairman. Uh, similarly, one of the reforms was to allow the budget committee of the RNC to elect its own chairman. Now, the chairman of the national committee has immense power, and th- this is this is not a sweeping. Uh, uh, great reform, but it was positive, and it allows for power to flow, some more power to flow from the from the bottom up. The chairman of the Republican National Committee has immense sway because the Republican National Committee has 168 members. We meet only three times a year. The general sessions are generally a couple of hours in length. Uh, they are often word-for-word scripted. There aren't debates. There aren't record votes. Um, you can't uh, run an organization uh, that has as many functions and as much money as the Republican National Committee with a committee of 168 people that meets two hours three times a year. So the chairman has to have a lot of authority, and he does. And mm-hmm. the chairman ultimately decides how much uh, money goes to state parties for their efforts and how much money goes to specific candidates. There's enormous power in the hands of the chairman, and I don't think there's much of an alternative uh, to that. Uh, But we need to welcome uh, newcomers to the party, and we need to decentralize the party uh, where it's prudent to do so, not centralize the party. Right, and one of the things is let's say, you know, things go well for us, you know, the grassroots and, you know, the, the rules do get changed. What is there? Are there be any safeguards put in to prevent uh, something what happened in Tampa from happening again? Well, uh, my hope is that as we go through the process, the normal process, where the Standing Committee on Rules uh, meets uh, three times a year between conventions, that uh, out of that process will come the repeal of that Rule 12. But the Rule 12 can only be repealed, finally, um, by a vote of the National Convention. It's locked in uh, 
until uh, the 2016 convention. It, it cannot be changed. It's, it's terrible that it's in there, um, and, and one of the reasons it's so terrible is uh, even though there's a requirement of a 75% vote, um, almost on any conceivable issue, uh, a determined national chairman can get a 75% vote out of the national committee because he has such such power and influence, and and that's true no matter who is the chairman of the Republican National Committee. And I've uh, I've personally known. Uh, all the chairman of the National Committee since 1964, and I think that's 19 or 20 uh, national chairmen. Some uh, are, are, are a whole lot better uh, than others, uh, but any chairman has this power. But this time, uh, I do have as assistant callers in there that one's been asked me to have her in, and then uh, we'll have another one. But I believe this is Cindy. She's come on uh, to the show. This is Cindy Todd. Um, she's uh, co-hosted some shows as well and brought in some folks over. So thank you very much, Cindy, for calling to your show. How are you? Are you there, Cindy? Nope, did we lose Cindy? Maybe we got too deep into the weeds with these rules and she gave up. Oh, no, she just had uh, just got a message from her, actually, um, that she had uh, a call that she has to make. Um, and then perhaps uh, she'll you know be able to call back. Uh, okay, Cindy, thank you for giving me the message. I hope everything with um, that goes well. So hopefully uh, everything will be fine with her. She'll be able to uh, possibly call in later. But we do have uh, another uh, person in on the line, and that is Kelly Mordecai, who's also uh, written the book, The Hidden Fourth Branch, and also has a website of the same name. And so at this point, and he's uh, – been a panelist on this show uh, before in the past, so thank you very much, uh, Kelly, for calling in. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. You know, I'm so honored um, that you, well, just to listen to Morton Blackwell's uh, voice, you know, this guy has been an incredible asset to the Republican Party for conservative principles, and and, uh, Mr. Blackwell, if you saw me in person, you might remember me. I attended your Leadership Institute class in Virginia in the summer of 1988. Uh, yeah. The, the name did sound familiar, but we've since I founded the Leadership Institute in 1979, we've had over 120,000 uh, <laughs> students at our, at our schools. But uh, you're, you're very kind what you what, what you said about me, and and uh, the Leadership Institute does good work, and it's most appropriate to thank the donors to the Leadership Institute because they're the ones who make it possible. Well, well, absolutely. And I I ran a campaign on the Iowa State campus, and my candidate won. He was number one. And uh, I went on to be uh, from the caucus. I went to county delegate, then district delegate. But I I had a a trial by fire, if you will, how to to win a campaign for somebody – then I went to your school, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, your techniques were just brilliant on how to how to win campaigns and all. And, and I, well, you know, so you. I was, uh, yeah, I, awesome what you, work you have done. But I, I did want to express, you know, um, at the time, I was a Republican in Iowa. We had a lever. You could go all Republican candidates, just one lever. You're voting like 30 seconds. You're done. But since then, sad to say, I have left the Republican Party. I would really honestly like to come home. 
Um, if the Republicans can have, can honor the Constitution, the rule of law, and have honest and fair elections, I would come home, and it breaks my heart. And I wanted to ask you a little bit more. You know, Robert just mentioned the question of what are you going to do to prevent this from happening in the future? Um, what I saw in the primaries and, and the convention was just disgusting. And you, the kids with the YouTube videos, it was all over the place, and they probably are having a mass exodus out of the Republican Party. Um, I, I just, how are you going to prevent this is what Robert was mentioning. Well, uh, it's, uh, it is uh, simple, but it's not easy. Principled people have to get involved in the party structure and replace content-free Republicans who now are the establishment within the party. Uh, it, 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 no, about, no amount of complaining is going to alter the matter, because if principled people don't uh, get involved in party matters, then people without principles um, are going are gonna to run, and that's uh, going to run it. And that is true in any circumstance. Now, it, is, it isn't easy because there's an awful lot of reasons why people participate in a political party. For, for many of us, it's because of our political principles. Uh, some people participate in a party because you can't throw somebody out of a party, so uh, that, that's the only place they can have a social outlet. Some people are, are part of a political party because they're uh, ambitious uh, to hold power. Some people see a political party as a way uh, to somehow um, make a lot of money. So there are a lot of reasons for that. But if, if, uh, if principled people aren't willing to stay in the battle, and be as persistent as the most persistent leftists we ever knew, uh, then uh, we're not going to, going to win. Uh, I, I, I've been a survivor, but if, if you obviously know something about my background, and I always stand up for what I b believe and know is right, uh, whether or not uh, my side is going to win at this point, uh, but it's the right thing to do, and if you... Uh, if you keep your principles, if you keep your word, if you keep your pants on, and you keep your fingers out of other people's wallets, then you're going to survive and maybe prosper in the party. But you've got to sit through a lot of meetings where a lot of foolish people speak nonsense, and you just have to tolerate it. That's, that's the nature of a democratic process. It's open. It, it, it is or ought to be open at the bottom, and people uh, participate for various reasons. But you've got to stick it out. Uh, out of 168 members of the National Committee, I am now number five in tenure. I'm not the fifth oldest. There are a lot of older than I am, but in terms of length of service, I'm number five. But I work at it, and I keep my home base, and I accept speaking invitations all over uh, Virginia for Republican uh, activities. And, of course, it doesn't hurt that we have 13,000 Leadership Institute graduates who happen to live in Virginia. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, your words of uh, tenacity and persistence in meetings and putting up with people, that was the words of uh, Donald Schweitzer. He is the... Uh, Republican chair here in the county, and we talk on occasion. Um, 
very good lessons again. Um, I, I want yeah, to. I'm acquainted up. with your new state chairman, A.J. Spicer, in Iowa. What, he's a good man. Oh, okay, yeah. This, I'm sorry. This is in California. Oh, you're in California. Now. Yeah, ah. yeah. So Donald Spicer, he's a pretty well, good guy. Oh, I see. Well, we. we yeah. uh, I, I know the leadership out there. I've known your national committee man, Sean Steele, for decades. He and I were active in youth politics when we were young. Yeah, well, I wanted to throw something out to you um, to see if this interests you, okay? Because, um, <clears throat> you know, again, I'm, 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 I want to come home with the Republicans, but I'm a libertarian because I see they're, they're very serious about the Constitution. Um and I'm actually going to the uh, state convention here. I'm leaving tomorrow morning. It's all weekend. And I'm proposing a set of in-house accountability rules, okay, for the Libertarian Party. And there are two committees specifically. They're called the um, Ethics Enforcement or Ethics Investigation Committee and the Ethics Enforcement Committee. It is going to be, if we get it passed, which probably will, from the top people really like this idea, that basically we will clean up in-house so that uh, no bad apple is going to go to Washington. They're going to be screened in-house. And I, um, I, I I can send this to you somehow if uh, Robert would give me your email or I don't know how to do this, but it's something I think if the Republican Party adopted, I think the American people would have a lot of trust uh, in the Republican Party. Well, clearly, uh, ethics in politics are greatly to be desired. But, and I've been around it this for a long time. I, I was Barry Goldwater's youngest elected delegate in the nation to the National Convention in 1964. And I uh, became a strong supporter of Goldwater uh, uh, and then of Reagan in 1968 when Reagan first ran. Uh, for, for for president again in sixty eight as seventy two uh, excuse me seventy six and then again in eighty and I was in charge of the youth effort uh, for Reagan and I've trained a lot of people who have been elected to the House and the Senate and governors um, but I have to tell you I have never found a perfect uh, politician uh, perfect in that they agree with me on every single issue. There's going to be per, per, uh, imperfections, I believe, in anybody that you find. And you need uh, to judge things on the basis of doing uh, the most net good. If two candidates are, are, are both equally dangerous to the country, then maybe you shouldn't vote. Uh, but if there is a reasonably wide difference between two candidates, uh, and one's election would do le considerably less damage to the country than the other. I, I don't think it is morally wrong to vote for the lesser of two evils if there is a, 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 a significant uh, difference in the amount of evil in, in both cases. I'm not greatly worried, for, as far as most uh, political contests are uh, concerned, about problems of of disunity in the in the uh, what we can call the Reagan coalition of limited government, free enterprise, strong defense, and traditional values. Uh, there, people have all combinations of positions on all those issues, but when it comes down to the decision points, uh, 
Um, and in politics, the two main categories of decision points are elections and battles over legislation in the Congress. Um, there is uh, common sense takes over, and uh, and that Reagan coalition tends to come back together for that purpose. Um, they're going to be fierce arguments and uh, and very unhappy people and winners and losers and internal battles. But when it comes down to the things that truly affect public policy, which are elections and legislation, I think the general coalition of libertarians and conservatives tends uh, to, to hold together. Yeah. Well, yeah, I want to ask you definitely a, real, real quick, uh, Kelly, because I do see that uh, Mr. Blackwell needs to leave in about five, ten minutes. I, I know you've got um, an early flight tomorrow, sir, so I, you know, I just want to uh, open up the floor. Uh, and I'm sorry, Kurt, I hope we'll have uh, another time. We'll have the honor to have uh, Mr. Blackwell on after the meeting or something of that nature. Uh, but I do like uh, to see if he'd like to, to close out with anything. I mean, if he, you could stay longer, that'd be great, but, of course, you know, I understand. Uh, yeah, the, the I, I do have to leave in a few minutes. No, understood. So what I'd like to do is, is go ahead and just you know have you close things out. What what are your expectations uh, will be for the meeting, and then what folks can do uh, to maybe make your cause a little easier. Well, um, I'm prepared. I have a number of, of strong supporters on the national committee. Um, uh, th- there are establishment people who have an interest in centralizing. Uh, all the power in the party and shutting out the grassroots. Uh, I think those people are harmful to the interests of the Republican Party, but they are there. It's going to depend on on what the National Chairman Rights Priebus uh, does, and we're not going to do any changes in the rules, in my judgment, without his strong support. Even his neutrality would probably not suffice to allow something to pass. It's going to take... Uh, his his active support but win or lose i am determined uh that if possible there will be record votes i think it is right for everybody to know how his or her representatives on the national committee stand on this matter if it passes it's going to be a great signal to grassroots conservatives that power grabs such as ben ginsburg uh um, pulled on us at the national convention. Uh, power grabs uh, are not the way to succeed, and, and if if we do repudiate what Ben Ginsburg did, that is going to have an effect in the future um, and deter uh, people who are about to be nominated uh, for the presidency by the Republican Party. Deter them uh, from um, coming in and monkeying uh, with the rules. This thing that Ginsburg did was particularly stupid because there were no changes that he got in uh, which uh, would make it easier uh, for Mitt Romney to win. And, in fact, it aggravated people uh, greatly. My state party chairman in Virginia, Pat Mullins, has said publicly that the Ginsburg power grab probably cost us 100,000 votes in Virginia because the grassroots people were mad. Our whole Virginia delegation was just furious at what they uh, attempted and what they did. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I know uh, a lot of folks uh, who called into the show, we've talked about this, you know, at some length, 
you know, about that. And, yes, definitely uh, the grassroots uh, were, were very angry, and I know a lot of folks so either. What, uh, let, let me be specific. You asked me again, what, what can be done uh, if you yeah. have contacts uh, with uh, any member of the Republican National Committee, and every state has three members, the state party chairman, the national committee man, and the national committee woman, uh, you might contact them in, in whatever way is uh, feasible for you and ask them to support Morton Blackwell's uh, motion to reverse uh, the Ben Ginsburg power grab. And what about contacting Priebus himself? Well, it, I, I think that's wonderful. Nope, I have no problems there. Okay, great. Nick yeah, says, so you know, so we had uh, you know a lot of folks who said that you know they're either going to uh, you know we've seen the the numbers uh, set out or go towards you know you know a different party you know third party or alternative party there. And, and that happened. We well, we seen how the election turned out, and it is very important for the grassroots, and especially grassroots conservatives, how things pan out there um, on the spring meeting. And you know, hopefully, we'll uh, we'll be able to have uh, you and some other folks on after the meeting to uh, discuss, you know, what has transpired at that event. Sure, I'll be I'll be happy to talk to you again. Great. Well, I appreciate it, but uh, I do see there's only a couple minutes, so I'd like to take that time uh, to thank you very much and say, once again, it was an honor uh, to have you on to the show, and uh, we really appreciate it and enjoyed you uh, coming on. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Have a safe trip. Bye. Good night. All right, folks, and that was... Mr. Morton Blackwell, and it was really appreciative of him coming on to the show. And I got a little uh, background here uh, from him, as he uh, mentioned a little bit that uh, he was Barry Goldwater's youngest elected delegate in 19, uh, to the 1964 National Republican Convention in San Francisco. He was also a National Convention alternative delegate for Ronald Reagan in 68 and 76 and a Ronald Reagan delegate in the 1980 National Convention. In 1980, he also organized and oversaw the national youth effort for Ronald Reagan, and he served as special assistant to the President Reagan's White House staff in 81 to 84, um, specialized, as you heard tonight, in matters relating to the rules of the Republican Party, and he served on rules committees of the state Republican parties in Louisiana, as well as, of course, Virginia, and he's now on the Standing Committee on Rules. Um, and as he mentioned earlier, um, he has attended every meeting of the Republican National Convention uh, since 1972, and it, it was an honor having him on. I look forward to speaking with him again. Um, we do have uh, you uh, still on there, uh, Kelly, and I want to have a shout to Cindy. Are you out there? Are you able to come back? I'm here. Is my mic open? Great. Thank you very much, Cindy. I apologize. I really wish you got the opportunity to uh, speak with Mr. Blackwell, but it looks like that opportunity may come uh, come around again uh, after the meeting. Well, that's, that's okay. I, I think he said pretty much everything I needed to hear. I would have liked to have asked him um, what he thought of. I mean, Mr. Blackwell is about his establishment. I mean, you just read off his credentials. I would call him about as established as you can get, and yet he sees the wrong in what these people are doing. I just want to know if he sees these people as infiltrators or, you know, corporate, just corporate interest people trying to take over our party. Um, mm -hmm. So what, who are we fighting here? Are these just people like him that just don't have a clue and are 
blockheads, or are these actually people working against us in order to uh, either... I I, kind of missed you there for a second, Cindy. If you could clarify that a little bit. Okay. About the blockheads. um, Yeah, I said, said, I wonder what he thinks these people are, whether they're just blockheads who don't get it, don't have a clue about what they're doing to our party, or oh, they, are these mm-hmm. actually infiltrators that know exactly what they're doing, um, and they're doing it on purpose? Hmm. That's, a, that's an interesting, that's an interesting idea. Well, let me answer Cindy's question from what uh, Martin Blackwell, and I trust him. Um, you know, he mentioned that he noticed some people get into the party for money or power, and then that starts pushing um, people with principle out. And then he went on to say, in his style, which is beautiful, if you're a principal, stay in the party, keep at it, keep going. Well, I left years ago, but that's another story. Okay, call me a hypocrite. But that's his principles. You know, there was a story he told at the Leadership Institute, and this is beautiful with his ethics. He was running a campaign for somebody in, I think, Virginia, and the guy eventually won. And he hired a bunch of kids. He's really good with the youth. You know, he mentioned 100,000. And the classroom I went to was packed. It was pretty much 35 and younger. And anyway, um, he told this story about ethics. Just a real short story. The rest is how to win a campaign. The story was, yeah, I was running this campaign for somebody in Virginia. And the Democrats had this huge uh, big balloon up for their candidate. You know, and about noon, a couple of kids came to me and said, here, watch that balloon over the next few hours. And then the balloon started to deflate, and eventually it, it started going lower and lower. It just fell to the ground. And the kids are laughing, and he says, well, why'd you ask me to watch that? And we took a 22, and we shot that balloon. That's why it fell down. He says, you're fired. That was his ethics. Get out of this campaign. We cannot have people in the party like you. Get out, pack your bags, yeah. you're done. He instantly fired him. He's wow. such a gentleman too. He's he he knows how to be a uh, a diplomat and I wish I wish that he would run for something. <laughs> if the Republican Party was filled with people like him, I would still be a Republican. Well, they're there, Kelly. It's just that the people they've they've taken the shadows. They're in the shadows now because these corporatist takeovers have pushed them back, and they're all taking a spotlight, and we don't have we don't have those people up to the forefront now because of them. There are people there, but they're getting discouraged like I am, and they've decided not to work anymore and not to run anymore. And you know, why should I get in Congress and then just you know uh, all my bills are poo pooed by my own party? You know. Well, we. And Kelly and uh, Cindy, we do have uh, some other folks on the line, uh, one of which would like to chime in. I believe uh, this is, let me find out, is this Chris? Trog. Trog. Okay, yeah. Trog. <laughs> Thank you for calling yeah. in. How are you? Good, man. What are you, in the bottom of a barrel? Or is that no, a new headset? Uh, well, it's, the headset is broken, so unfortunately I have to, <laughs> um, just use this. Uh, yeah, I, I tell you what, I, I go through head, I go through headsets uh, pretty quickly. When you, I guess when you use them, almost eleven hours in a day. That's, yeah. <laughs> they, they oh, I'm sure. Quickly. Yeah, you know, um, I, I, um, 
I, I wish I had more time with him on because he has a lot of wisdom. He has a lot of experience. He's been through ups and downs. Obviously, you know, I'd love to ask him about, you know, the era coming out of Nixon when the Republican Party was only 18%, and they recovered and had the Reagan era, and then he went to the Gingrich explosion, you know, through the Republican takeover. I mean, that guy, that guy should write books on this stuff. Because no, I'm saying I think... I think one of the problems we face, and it was something I think I just threw it in chat. I can't remember if I was talking to Rex or your chat or whatever. It went through my brain. One of the problems with people jumping ship all the time is this modern day of information. Everybody is all over the place, jumping all over the place. They go here. They go there. They get information. Oh, now I need to go over there. Now I need to do this. Now I need to do that. And the waves of people you know, the emotional content of people is different in this day and age than it was in my my day, so to speak. <laughs> you know, because I, you know, most of my early part of my uh, adulthood, you know, was without computers and without cell phones. And and it's amazing when you, all you got to do is just, you know, pull up and jump around three or four or five different groups, whether it's a Rand Paul, Rubio, GOP you know, conservative group, and just wa- and look at the wave of information. People follow that crap around like mice and cheese in a maze. People need to learn to think for themselves. Mm, Ke- Kelly made Kelly <laughs> made a very important point. He was quoting something that Blackwell said, and I mm-hmm. remember. And, and Mr. Blackwell said it earlier. You know, uh, and and principal people don't quit. I mean, don't don't get pushed out of the party. They quit. And that's the thing is we we jump ship all the – every time something is off a little bit, everybody goes somewhere else, and everybody goes to a new Facebook group, or everybody does this. No, People don't stick stuff out anymore. And and so you don't think – you think that what happened in the GOP recently in the RNC is any different than hasn't happened three or four or five times before in our lifetime? You know, well, that's I, the I thing say, about it. I would say I, not at this extent. I would say not at uh, not at this extent. I mean, you know, yeah. what, they, is, uh, you they know, pushed Reagan out extent. and got Ford and got Ford to run against Carter. You don't think that was an ugly event? Oh, well, yeah, but was. look, how, look but, how many how many times can you go through that? I'm I'm 56 years old and I've been through it all. Every single year, I you know I had to watch Dole get elected. I had to watch the Bushes get elected. And now um, I'm not. Don't get elected. It, it, you you only huh? <laughs> I think well, you I said don't get elected. I mean as the nominee. I mean as oh, okay. nominee. you made nomination. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. I, I didn't mean as president. Um, no, I, I had to watch us um, elect in the Republican Party as our candidate all these nincompoops. And how many times? Do we do we do this over and over and over again before we just say, you know, there's nothing well, more I, think, I can do? I about would it. say, I I would honestly, real, real quick, Chris, real quick. I just, and I think a lot of folks that you know, and, and this is human nature. And, and Chris, you know, I know this is something that you study, and you know, it's human nature to want to belong to you know to belong to something. And I think a lot of the folks mm-hmm. that are jumping ship, they want to belong to a group or a party or an organization that they feel is in alignment with their values. And, right. you know, so once a an organization, party, whatever, group, does not, you know, adhere to those principles, 
and do not, you know, represent those values anymore, well, then they want to belong to a group that does. That's right. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that's one component of human nature, but there's also another component. Do you want to let the Democrats take over? I, I, I guess it depends, on what you, it depends on what you focus on. You know, it, and it's amazing. I have, we had this long thread going today on mm-hmm. um, um, that, that kind of turned kind of interesting. And, and it's amazing how many people are all focused on 2016. We need to win. We need to keep the House and win the Senate. In 2014, we need to keep, what do we got, 30 governors? We have 36 governorships coming up for reelection. We don't have time to go out and rebuild a party. You know, I would, I would and, I've, and I'll say this 100 times, and I'll say it all the way through this thing, is that when these third parties can field enough candidates not to lose the country, then I'm all for it. But until they do, we have to work with the things that we have. If I have a Constitution Party or Libertarian in my state that's got good standing and can win, and I like their principles and morals, I'm going to back them. But if I don't, I have to vote. What am I going to do? Vote Democrat? I, I right. have no, to, I get that. I have to. And but you see, I don't think people get this because the conversation keeps floating off to 2016 for some reason. Yeah. We got to make it past 2014 first. <laughs> we got to make it. Yeah, can you imagine Obama having a full House and Senate or a supermajority in the Senate that can sign in UN like the UN Small Guns Ban Treaty? I, Oh, and I guess, this is serious crap that we're dealing well, with here. Oh, I agree, and I think what has folks discouraged is something Rex mentioned in the chat. He said the VA Republicans raised taxes, $7 billion, and funded Obamacare. So when the Republicans are doing things like that, sure. you know what I mean? That's really disheartening for the, uh, for the folks. You know, they're like, man, you know. Right, but then but then we get Rand Paul out there every day in the news because he's bucking the system and everybody yeah. cheers. So the question is, is what do you focus on? Well, Chris, I uh, I've been going door to door. I I was I walked my precincts. I walked other. What are you, a derby salesman? Uh, no, <laughs> I was. <laughs> for the, I'm talking about for the Republican Party this year, and and when I go to the doors and I talk to people. They look at me with their eyes glassed over and they say, Republicans, what's the difference, you know? And I, unless I stand there and talk with them an hour and explain to them everything that's going on, they don't know, they don't understand why they look at the votes and, and what goes on in their government, and it doesn't look any different whether there's a Republican in charge or a Democrat in charge. Well, Here we yeah, are when, in you, charge of the when you look at the House, I agree, yeah. Right. You look at the House, that's all we have charge of, and yet it looks like we don't have charge of that because Beaner is bending over for Beaner. a while. <laughs> the boner is bending Beaner. over. Beaner. <laughs> I'll go there, Robert. Uh, <laughs> no, I, and I, tr- Cindy, trust me, I, I've been in this thing for a year straight. I mean, every day. For I know the frustration. I, I hear it in people, and I battle, even on my own group, which is a pretty tight group, and and um, you know we go through this all the what's time what's because business, uh, the, the daily the daily <laughs> process the daily process and I find myself getting frustrated repeating myself but I realize that that's the choice I made by having a political group that's fighting for you know for conservative principles is that I'm going to I'm going to repeat myself a lot you it's know inter- and, 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 and what group is that. 
coalition well, of freedom. <laughs> I'm trying to get, I'm trying to open you up for a plug, man. <laughs> oh, well, hey, yeah. hey. Uh, uh, nobody yeah, wants to join. Let's put it this way. I don't promote it much because you don't want to join it if all you're going to do is post the news of the day and Obama did this stories and that stories because I'm not into that crap. I'm into – I'm into to saving my country, which means we got to work on our side. And Cindy nailed it. Our side is broken. We've had socialists and communists in this country since the turn of the century. Everybody acts like this is a new thing. It's not a new thing. The difference is our side, you know, got neutered. They rolled over and they got weak. And the Bush era was terrible. You know, that set the stage for what Obama's doing. And so, and so, yeah, we got to fight. You know, we got to battle. I've been fighting this battle my whole flipping life, you know, and, and I'm watching my country gradually fall apart my whole life. The question is, what else am I going to do? Well, Chris, am I going to give up? Move to, move to, I could move to Costa Rica. Go ahead, fire well, well, Chris, yeah, There's a step yeah. forward. Yeah, I, I want to I share with you guys some really good news, okay? Now, look, a party is only going to be alcohol. Our end goal is to honor the Constitution, okay? That's what made the country great. So, here in Siskiyou County, little old Siskiyou County, we've done amazing things, all right? What is Siskiyou County? Well, we're larger than some of the eastern states like uh, Rhode Island or Delaware. We have a population of 45,000 people. We are very proud of our ninth new stoplight. However... The people here are very well connected. We got three tea parties. One of them started long before the tea party movement. And what we have done is we have got constitutionally minded people in the California Senate, the California Assembly, and we just had uh, Doug Lamalfa, his first term as a congressman, replaced uh, Wally Herger, who was a schmuck, but that's another story. So Doug Lamalfa is a great guy. He was on Fox News recently. He was questioning, okay, DHS. Why did you buy all these bazillion rounds of hollow point bullets? I'm asking the questions. What's happening here in our county is people are getting together, okay? They're getting together. They're having tea parties. They're talking to their friends. They're getting behind somebody, and they're making it happen. Then we go to our neighbors in Shasta County, which is south of us. Same thing, tea party. They got going. They had like 200-plus people. Then we go up to uh, Medford which is Jackson County, Oregon, and we can we make connections there uh, with the sheriffs. You know, we have got a great connectivity that is causing change, and it's very beautiful. And I'm only hoping that somehow, I know in more populous areas, um, it's a little bit harder to do, but we're doing it here. I mean, of, of the positions that we need, oh, and by the way, we had a very conservative uh, Republican county supervisor, but he wasn't doing enough for the farmers and ranchers. We booted his ass, and we got somebody new in who's going to stick up for the farmers and ranchers a lot better. We are locally connected, and I don't know, maybe we're just an example for the nation, but this is how it's done, connecting with people, mm -hmm. getting groups going locally, and kaboom. We, you know, in our responsibilities politically, we're all there. We got it right. So I kind of have a free pass to go on to other things because they're going to be few ins the next time. But it happens, and it is happening, and it's beautiful to see this. You know, Kelly, let me add something to what you're saying because this is how I feel. I, and this goes back to our early shows, Robert, Tex, and Rex, you know, me on the shows. We had this discussion all the time. The best thing that could have happened to this party, we, we said it all the time, if Romney wins, 
the party will never change. He will own the party. That whole progressive liberal, you know, and all his money backers and all these people we despise would be in full control. The fact that he lost is the opportunity to to fight and to gain control. I see Sarah Palin leaves Fox. She gets all fired up. She's doing these new commercials. She's out there kicking ass and taking names and getting ready to win in 2014. That's the kind of things that we need to look at and go, that's what I need to be doing. Those are the kind of people I need to be following. Those are the people I need to be profiling. You know, look at the energy that Rand Paul had when he did that filibuster. You know, it was amazing. People are searching for heroes. We have them. We need to profile them. We can win. Well, real we did quick, that here in Volusia County. We, we real, won real here. Quick. Hey, Cindy, I'm sorry. Real quick, uh, I do hey. have uh, Rex here on the line, and I oh, would fine. like you to open up uh, his mic. Rex? <laughs> Rex is here. Rex is there. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Rex, for calling in. I'm uh, chatting right now, so you got you have the floor. All right, what are you talking about? Some sale you lost, some girl you're trying to date. Put that coffee oh, down. Yeah. Coffee Maybe. is for closers. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, that was off topic, but uh <laughs> No, that was right on topic because I, I hear a lot of people whining and carrying on and you know the Republican Party could have been, I'm a libertarian now. You know what? Put your big girl panties on and get in the game because the very simple fact is that on a federal level the GOP's the only shot. The ballot rules at the state level, which you haven't changed yet and you're not gonna get them changed by twenty sixteen, will never permit an alternate party to win. The reason that all of us voted alternate party or wrote in Ron Paul in the last election is because Romney was absolutely the worst possible thing ever. And just like Chris said, it's a good was, thing was, he lost. Unfortunately, was, was, that was, means that Obama won. Was that a confession that you wrote in Ron Paul? Uh, I, I, I did not confess to writing in Ron Paul, and I can tell you that I didn't write in Ron Paul. But it really doesn't matter. Whether you wrote in Ron Paul, voted for Virgil Goode, or voted for Gary Johnson, it was the same thing. It, 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 was, it was to show that conservatives and libertarians were not going to support a liberal Democrat in the Republican Party. And, and the interesting thing, and my co-host, uh, the Texas, said this on our shows, and we talked about the rules on, on last Monday's show, these rules were put through by Ginsburg, who's a known Romney operative, because of weakness. The yep. rhinos are weak, and they know that there are more of us. The Tea Party scared the crap out of them, and, and now mm-hmm. is not the time to let up. Now is the time to go full court press. Now, I'm not against alternate parties. I love alternate parties. I think we should have bunches of parties, but, but I'm also a realist. I'm not an idealist. I'm not a pie-in-the-sky guy, and neither should you be. Be a realist. Realistically speaking, in 2014 and 2016, for the House, the Senate, and the executives, you're either going to get a Democrat or a Republican. And the question is, are you going to get a progressive Democrat or a progressive Republican, or are you going to do your damnedest to get a conservative-slash-libertarian Republican? If you want to see someone like Rand Paul or Cruise Missile uh, have success like they have been having, then you need to make sure that these rules are changed. And then you need to keep the pressure on so that little Prince Pubic and his masters realize that they're going to keep losing unless they allow us to have our say. If the grassroots are given the ability to do what we're supposed to do, and we fail, and the the RNC nominates Bush, then suck it up. That's the way the process works. But if we're silenced before that even happens, 
this party is going to burn to the ground, and you're going to have democratic socialists for the next 40 years, and this country is finished. It's just that simple. So don't hold on mm-hmm. to your little ideological hat and your little pet issue. And, you know, uh, voting for lesser of two evils is still evil. I agree. Voting for the lesser of two evils is still evil. So how about we get it so that the Republicans don't run a lesser evil? That's what we hey, should Rick. be focusing on. Well, that's, yeah, that's cool, but you know what? I want to know if you're still talking like this when you're 56. <laughs> and they, How do you know I'm not 56? Because oh, I've met you. <laughs> I know you're not 56. <laughs> I'm, I, I just look good for my age. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, tell me who you go to to look like that because I want to look that young. <laughs> kale. You need a lot of kale. Oh, okay. oh, I love kale. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we, 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 drinking Priebus's uh, whiskey and bourbon at his uh, <laughs> condo. Exactly. Hey, hey, hey Rex. Yes, sir. Okay, you're, you're the third part of the second person on the show that's kind of haggling me about being in a third party. I want to tell no, you I another. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I, I like third parties. It's a little, a little subtle. It's a little bit subtle, but I'll... You know, I, I love the banter that Rex and I have. He's he's a very serious thinker. His wisdom comes from God, I believe. All right. Anyway, <laughs> no, no, you don't chat with him. Anyway, guys. Yeah, there it is. The pleasantry before the. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. I'm just joking, Kelly. Well, we have this banter. We're having a kind of a friendly dispute. And anyway, well, I won't go there. Anyway, Rex, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you all something. One of the reasons why I'm in the Libertarian Party. Of course, they love the Constitution. Of course, they're up and coming. Of course, 500 down ballot candidates. Okay? They got some amazing things. All right, now, I also have an ulterior motive. Okay? I have proposed a way to filter out the bad apples before they ever go to D.C. Talking with top people in the Libertarian Party. We're having our convention. I'm leaving tomorrow at 7 in the morning. Okay? Cool. For Sacramento. I have proposed two committees. It's called the Ethics Investigation Committee, operates like a grand jury. Ethics Enforcement Committee operates like trial by jury. Okay? Anywhere from, oh, here's a presentment. He was kind of bad. Keep your eye on him, to All the way to kicking the hell out of the party. The Republicans and Democrats don't have this. Now, why am I doing this? Even though libertarians may never really get, any, get anywhere seriously, but yet I believe they will. Anyway, why? I can make the Republicans jealous. Oh, goodness. Look what the Libertarians did. They have a way to hold people accountable in-house. What a concept. Maybe we should adopt it in the rules and we'll get people back. Another thing I'm proposing in the rules committee, it's about one or two sentences. In order to run for a position in the Libertarian Party, you have to pass a constitutional exam. Oh, goodness. Who's thought of that before? Where is it in the Republican or Democrat rules? Of course, we don't expect the Democrats. I'm trying to make the Republicans jealous. If I have to do it by um, simple rules that they actually adopt or by massive amount of numbers coming into the Libertarians for them to get to wake up to the reality, hey, hey, here's how to get people in your party. Be a party of principle. Do in-house accountability. I'm making the Republicans jealous. That's and an ulterior motive that I have. And, and real what? quick, uh, real quick, uh, I'm sorry for interrupting. You know, I guess don't, I don't like to do that. But uh, as I said, I was just chatting here, and uh, while you guys were talking, and I do want to open up the mic uh, for someone that uh, I believe we've uh, 
I had an opportunity, uh, at hopefully, to chat with. If not, uh, here it is now. I'm going to open up the mic here to Mr. Mark Willis. Thank you very much for calling to the show. How are you tonight? Hey, Robert. How are you guys doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. <laughs> well, it's great. Go, go ahead. Yeah, we had, uh, I was telling you, the chat had uh, more black one earlier. It was too bad uh, been in earlier. It had been great. But you said you had some kind of resolution uh, you wanted to tell us about. Yeah, a lot of things on package in, uh, in Los Angeles and, you know, what's going on with the rules committee. I mean, we're hearing, you know, everything uh, ad nauseum about that, about, you know, really where that's going. So it's going to be interesting on the ground to see what actually comes out of all this. Um, but, you know, with regards to my resolution, this is a little different, you know, diversion from, from what uh, – you know, we're doing with the rules. I mean, so people know the actual meeting is not, you know, all about the rules. That's the primary focus. But the Standing Committee on re uh, Resolutions will be uh, meeting to hear resolutions. So I have a resolution that I'm bringing forward that's getting a lot of attention uh, here in Maine and on Facebook. And, Robert, I don't know if you've seen it, but... It's a resolution requesting accountability from the Department of Homeland Security of DHS. Yeah. And what it's doing is it's, it's saying that the DHS has failed to respond to multiple members of Congress asking why the DHS requisitioned more than 1.6 billion rounds in the last year. And it goes through a couple, you know, whereas clauses, you know, whereas a subsequent nationwide ammunition shortage is now taking place, leading mm -hmm. many police but struggling to obtain the necessary ammunition for handguns, shotguns, and rifles, whereas the nationwide ammunition shortage is making ammunition exceedingly expensive for the average law-abiding gun owner, and whereas the waiting period to obtain said ammunition could be six months to a year, or in some cases even longer. So the resolve is that the members of the RNC request that the DHS cease and desist for requisitioning any more ammunition until they fully explain to members of Congress why 1.6 billion rounds have been requisitioned within the past year. Well, yeah, I have heard uh, some of that also, maybe not as quite in your resolution itself, but I have heard about the requisitions. Right. So this is so this is taking it right to the RNC and right to the DHS. Mm -hmm saying that if this is a party that stands for for liberty and a less intrusive government and accountability, then this resolution coming forward is on the minds of everybody you talk to here in Maine who who uh, is a gun owner and across America, saying, you know, I, I can't get 22 long, you know, LR, you know, caliber, I, I can't get this, I can't get that. What you see mm -hmm. on this shelf is what you got. And so this is a very, very important issue that I'm bringing forward to the resolution committee on top of all the rules battles as well. That's an interesting. What's your what's your strategy behind this, Mark? Because this is kind of a in in the middle of everything else that's going on, which there's a lot going on in this country. They're pushing every angle and you know that they can from you know healthcare to you know gun control, everything else. What are you trying to accomplish? Is this a rallying point strategy? This <clears throat> this is a line in the sand. This is a line mm -hmm. in the sand to the RNC and saying, you know, are we a body that, that wants to, in this case, simply back up and support 
in this case, the Republican members of Congress who are asking for uh, more information and, and being stonewalled by DHS. Do we support them? And I hate to say it as Republicans, but this is really a, in, in this case, this is a Republican Party resolution, and our Republican members of Congress are the ones who are asking for this information. And do we have their back or not? Do we support them and let them know that this, you know, 168-member body is behind them when they when they go up against Janet Napolitano and DHS and ask these questions? And just yesterday, a couple of Republican congressmen had asked the GAO to look into the ammo purchases as well, to dig deeper and to find out what, mm-hmm. what the heck this is all about. So uh, this is this is a rallying cry for some. This is basically a you know going from the, again the grassroots of the Republican Party, you know, hearing it out there on the street, everywhere you go. I'm sure everybody who's listening on this call knows what I'm talking about. You know, just just go to your local gun and ammo store and try to find, you know, particular calibers. You you may or may not find it. And if you can't find it, you may have to wait six months or longer to get it. Why is that the case? We have a problem going on in this country right now with with these massive, massive uh, requisitions of, of ammo by DHS. The Social Security Administration, you know, 200 million rounds. No one can explain that. Congress are asking questions. Why is this happening? And so everybody can come to their own conclusions. My resolution coming forward is saying, hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna put this out front and center, saying, you know, cease and desist. Of course, it's just a resolution, but cease and desist. Sure. From our perspective, of requisitioning any more uh, rounds of ammo until you fully explain to the members of Congress, and I don't care if they're Democrat or Republican or whoever, explain to them why you're doing this. Right. Well, what let me, is the speculation on, on the reason for that? I'm sorry? No, I, I was at Chris, we're going to, real quick, Chris, I was going to say, I know there's, you know, a lot of talk going out on what the requisitions for, of course, you know, some might be um, more valid than others, but, you know, what, what are they, what are you hearing? Well, the come back. Yeah, I mean, they come back and say, well, you know, it's to keep the prices down. You know, it's like going to Sam's Club and buying a, you know, you know, uh, fifty rolls of toilet paper when you only need, you know, a couple for the week. You're just, you know, locking in a cheaper price. Mm-hmm. And so the answer to that is, well, why are you purchasing hollow point ammunition for target practice? You know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, I was in the army. We never used hollow point. Um, there's Marines on, on, on video talking about this, saying, "Hey, we were in the Marine Corps, and we never used hollow point for target practice." If, if you're going to try to use the cheapest uh, way of going uh, to to get this kind of ammo, you're going to get you're going to get the basic cheapest ammo for target practice. You're going right. to use the good stuff for right. uh, for target practice. So so that doesn't hold up. So um, and and we've got at least 13, if not more. Republican congressmen asking questions about this, that uh, they're scratching their head and saying this just doesn't add up. Well, here's yeah. let me ask you the the point I was going to ask, Mark, because I I agree that we obviously have uh, serious problems, but most of this, most of what we have problems with started with Bush. He built all this crap, 
So how the Republicans are you – back to my original question, what's the strategy here? Are you trying to put the Republicans in a position where they take a stand and go, we are uh, – even though our side built the DHS and built the Patriot Act and built the endless wars and you know got us $5 trillion in debt and then five debt ceiling increases, and in other words, we can bitch about Obama all day long, but you know Bush had his heyday too. And Obama's just running wild with this stuff. Are you trying to get the Republicans to take a principled stand to turn this thing around? Is that see what I'm saying by what's the strategy here? Yeah, I mean th- this is just this is just the first first uh, step to acknowledge to acknowledge that the DHS with this animal purchase, there's something terribly wrong with this, and we we need full answers on this. You know where it goes from there. Where it goes from there, you know, that's who knows what the next step would be after that. But this is the first step to to put a line of sand and, and shed some light on what's happening right now. Um, you know, it, regardless of how we got here, we're, we're here right now, and and this is what's happening. And uh, regardless of party, this is wrong, and we have to we have to get to the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, you're you're a smart guy and you're a delegate and you're inside the game. Um, how does a guy, if, if these rules don't get overturned, how does a grassroots guy that's more libertarian side of the fence like Rand Paul even make it past the the GOP or the RNC guy running with these rules the way they are? Let's say they don't get overturned. What is it going to take for somebody like a Rand Paul to win? That's a good question. You, you have to have a really yeah. good ground game with with grassroots support. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you've got to have a really good ground game. That, that's true. I mean, if, if the rules don't change, and let's say, okay, let's just do, do a hypothetical, right? Because everybody does hypotheticals. If a hypothetical that the rules don't change, they're pretty much the way they are now, and we rolled the 2016, and we we've got what we've got. Is that, is that what you guys are saying? Yep. Okay, so if, if that said, you know, that said. Uh, you're looking at Rand Paul or any other grassroots candidate under Rule 40 having to come up with the majority of delegates in eight states to simply be on the ballot at the convention. And that's going to be hard to do, too, with the new rule. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. You know what? If the establishment GOP, the neocons, by the way, don't feed the rhinos, um, they have a rule now that basically, if they don't like your delegates, they can just say, you're done, you're not coming. They did it to Maine already. They were trying to do it to Massachusetts last minute to let the Massachusetts come to the National Convention. So what about that rule? It doesn't matter if Rand Paul has 20 states. The way the rule is set up, they can say, oh, sorry, now we're going to exclude your delegates. That's right. That's right. It's almost uh, a moot point that other uh, Rule 40 is like moot because – if you don't have, if you haven't already won the um, primaries, uh, the, the and you're the uh, nominee in chief, then you don't you don't have a prayer of getting on. There's no such thing uh, anymore as a brokered convention. Yeah, and I, and I think the, the the problem that one of the <clears throat> one of the things we face is that the rules as they stand right now are probably not going to be exactly the rules that we're going to face in 2016, regardless. Uh, because the states, you know, each state can come up with their own rules for how they want to handle delegates as well. 
So each state's going to have their own uh, process that they're going to, to to boil into how they do that. So, um, you know, Rule 16, uh, even though the language changed, it's still, you know, if, if you read between the lines, even though there was a compromise there, um, it, it, there's still, in, you know, in my opinion, and, and, and many people, that there's still the, the way for the for the you know presumptive uh, nominee to be able to um, you know to distinguish uh, uh, between a, a, a delegate for them and someone else, and to have that uh, delegate uh, removed for some for some other reason under um, for you know basically any, any other reason. Uh, they, they, they've said the, the language has changed. And but it, it but you know it's it's still open ended enough that it it leaves that door open for that type of decision making being being done because ultimately it will be the presumptive nominee who will be calling the shots as to who's going to be the delegate you know you know uh, for for the uh, for the convention in 2016 so there's a lot to unpackage there hard to say where these rules are going to go I mean Los Angeles is going to be the big, big, you know, first test of of where this, of where this all is pan out. Yeah. Well, well, well Michael, I, I just want to, I want to tell you something. I know, I sure, absolutely hope that they get the rules straightened out and they get away and enforce the rules, which were ignored less than right. But if they don't, you know what? If they don't, not only will I not register Republican, I don't know. I'm not even sure if I want to talk to one. I mean, I'm that upset. Me too. Yeah, and, and and you're not alone, and you're not alone. Well, I have to say that here in Volusia County, we have a, a very strong Republican Party, and we just did a wonder. We just did really great things. We all the Republicans won straight down. One Republican lost in a county council seat in our county this 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 year or last year, and uh, it was because we really have. Uh, a great grassroots effort going on here. But if we can't get the rest of Florida, which is a very important state, you know that, if we can't get the rest of Florida on the program because of these rules and because they're so discouraged about these candidates that keep getting force-fed all the time, mm-hmm. then we're just going to have our little, you know, uh, wonderful little party going on here in, in Volusia uh, for a while, but eventually... Um, the nasty stuff that's going on around us is going to start affecting us, even though we have a Republican county council and uh, Republicans in city councils and things like that. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, you know Tip O'Neill said all politics are local, and in this case it is true. You've got to get those, to anybody who's listening, at your local county level, it's very, very important to get those county-level seats in place i.e. The, the county chair and the county committee members who, who have voting rights in every county and every state, you know, a little different how they do that. But that is something that is key if this is to continue and we are to turn this around. And, that, you know, that's, 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 a, that's a, tough, a tough hill to climb because, you know, there's, um, you know, there's a, there's a, that, that, takes, that takes time to do that. That takes, that takes election you know, two to four years to get those, you know, get those people in place. You know, it, it, you're not electing a new chair every month. You're, you know, every two years or so, depending on the state. So these elections count, 
and you have to get the right people in there to hold it uh, for the future while you start to build up that grassroots support and, and get it out there to the other counties. But if, if you're just one county or two counties in a state like Florida with a lot of other counties that are going the other way, you know, it, 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 I, and I've been in those counties where you've got a great county uh, chair and a great county committee, but you go to other counties and, you know, uh, things things may be different. So you have to uh, to look at, 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 a, at a broad approach by county at the grassroots level. That That's the only way that you're going to be able to get to a convention within your state uh, or, you know, a, a caucus in some cases in some states to be able to really uh, flex the muscle to be able to get, you know, those delegates and, and those candidates elected, um, you know, depending on, on that particular race. That's really what it comes down to. And, and that's not something that can be done overnight. It, has, it, it takes time. I think everybody on the call would probably agree that this is just not something that can happen overnight. It's a long-term plan. And for some people who were listening, probably saying we don't have time for that. <laughs> you know, you know, time's time's running out. Things need to happen quickly. Mm-hmm. So for for someone like Rand Paul in in 2016, how does this get done? Or for some other you know grassroots candidate, Judge Napolitano or Palin or Gingrich or you know whoever, you you've got to get to the county level in your state party and and start working on getting <clears throat> county chairs elected that. That are uh, you know in, in, uh, on, in your team in your camp within the Republican Party or whatever party that, that, that you're in, you've, you've got to get that to get that set up um, because you know be, before you know it, um, all those people are going to come together one way or another in 2016 and try to get behind a candidate. But if that infrastructure is not there, you know it may not be it's not going to be enough to get them across. And I've got I've got a question real quick, Mark. Is what effect do you think that the spring RNC meeting will have on the uh, two, uh, 2014 election, regardless of what way it goes? If it goes uh, well for the conservatives, or if it goes, um, you know, badly, let's. Uh, I'd like to ask about both of those scenarios. How that'll affect 2014? Yeah, I mean, the spring meeting is just one meeting. We have a summer meeting coming up, and we have another winter meeting and another spring meeting and a summer meeting in 2014. So this is not the last time that we will be dealing with the rules. The rules committee is only going to meet from the agenda for about five to six hours, from Mm -hmm. what I can tell. So they probably won't get through everything. It's going to be ongoing from, you know, meeting to meeting. Uh, September, September 30th, 2014 is the deadline under rule 12 to get anything changed. So, You've got the spring meeting in LA, summer meeting, I don't know where that's going to be, then the winter, spring, and summer in 2014. So you've got basically five more meetings to get these rules right. A lot of people want to go in and try to get them, you know, knocked out in Los Angeles and move on. I don't know if that's going to happen. But what's going to happen for 2014? Yeah, sure. Yeah. What we're doing here is. our uh, Republican Executive Committee president for our county has a meeting with Lenny Curry and Peter Feeman and Sharon Day, our committee people and chair people here in Florida. They have a, he has a meeting with them, all of our REC 
leadership is meeting the week before the spring meeting. He is carrying the resolution that I wrote um, to that meeting, and he's going to try to, you know, pressure as much as he can Lenny Curry and those guys to support Morton Blackwell and to put pressure on Priebus. If everybody would contact their president of their RECs or whoever's in the leadership position in their county and either, you know, show them a a resolution or a petition of some sort, uh, we might be able to put enough pressure on Priebus to support Blackwell's uh, motion. Well, real quick, I do have somebody who's messaged me like to chime in. Uh, This is Chuck Suter from constitutionalwar.com. And so, uh, Chuck, will be opening up your mic uh, to let you get in. And, folks, I know he's uh, looking to go to the the spring meeting himself, and you can go to the Bard's Logic Political Talk website at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com, and you can see on the Give page a big red button where you could uh, donate to constitutionalwar.org. Thank you very much, Chuck, for calling us to the show. How are you? Hey, man, thanks for the uh, plug. Um, yes, I will be in L.A. All right, great. For this meeting, it is uh, set in stone. Um, I still uh, appreciate any help uh, covering the cost of uh, eating food and all that stuff out there, but um, I do have the room reserved, and the plane ticket is booked, and it's a nasty one, but... I'll I'll be heading out there, Uh, so will Nicole, so will Brian, you know, uh, the same gang that was uh, here in Charlotte will pretty much be there. We're trying to get as many people out there as we can to ask, you know, uh, you know, last time uh, in Charlotte, um, Ryan Sprevis, I was able to get an interview with him, and um, he told me that he would be a fool to shut out the Liberty folks like the Ron Paul folks or Tea Party folks like the Gingrich folks um, from participating because that's where, you know, that's where your door knockers, your uh, neighbor, your poll watchers, every everything comes from, okay? Wow. wow. Let me let me interrupt. I just got a bad – I got back up the tape here. Rince Priebus said he would be a fool to exclude the liberty-minded Republicans – did he really say that? I mean, like, you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he he said that, and then, you know, they came out with their autopsy, and what they've decided is that they're probably going to spend, uh, well, they, they, they're going to spend $10 million on outreach to the Latino community, and what they'll probably do is they'll probably run annoying TV commercials on Telemundo. Um now, um, Rick, Santor- Rick Santorum's um, uh, campaign chairman um, for the second half of his campaign, uh, Andrew Boucher, was uh, speaking at a Charlotte event the other night, and I've got a video of that up, um, where he gave a speech for about 27 minutes. It gets really interesting, and in the question and answer where he talks about how the big dirty secret in politics is how much money is devoted towards these TV commercials. And, you know, if the Republican Party spends $100 million in Ohio on ads, 
there are political consultants that are getting deals on those ads that are running all this stuff for them that they're getting 15% of that $100 million. They're Man, getting $15 million. They're getting $15 million out of that. And there's a, and, and Boucher is telling everybody at our Tea Party, movement, uh, tea party uh, meetings and throughout the Carolinas and the southeast that there's a big fight going on. So I'm very hopeful for what will happen because are we going to get a change back to the 2010 rules out in L.A.? I doubt it. I, I seriously doubt it. But can we, uh, you know, you know, throw put put a chink in their armor, throw uh, something in their gears to slow it down? I think that we'll be able to slow it down. I think what Blackwell is doing will be able to slow it down. And in the end, if we do have to go through Rule 12. What I think that we should be able to do, probably not at this meeting, but in the future, is with Rule 12, use Rule 12 to say we will um, suspend Rule 40 or somehow circumvent Rule 40, obviously get rid of Rule 16, but also put a a new rule in to say that we will um, hold back on doing anything with the changes that were made in 2012 until the 2016 convention. And if we can do something like that, then there's still hope for the Republican Party. If we can't, that there's none. Yeah, hope's getting spread awful thin these days. Is, well, the is Rex still face, on there? Rex, are you nope. still on? Um, there's some I'm kind here. of a fair text thing going on. Yeah, the gang's all here. There's some kind of a fair text thing going on in Washington, D.C. Are you going to that? Uh, no, I don't believe in the fair text. Oh. What's your solution? My solution? Get rid of the income tax. The income tax is illegal. So, we shouldn't have an income tax at all. I mean, if you give them some other kind of option with a tax, you're going to end up with two taxation systems, and you're just going to... Just going to pay more taxes. I don't. I don't trust any of them, Republicans, Democrats, or otherwise. Uh, they shouldn't have the power so, to tax directly. According to the Constitution, you can only have indirect taxes. Taxing people directly violates the Bill of Rights. Well, I agree with you. So, um, would you do like a, a, sale, a national sales tax? Is that what you advocate? I'd rather tax the foreigners that want to sell crap in our market rather than tax Americans. That's called oh, terrorists. I agree with that, too. Well, terrorists. I agree with that, well, well, too. Well, Tony here, I, I, I want to throw something out here, okay? I know at a tea party, everybody and their brother was hand, holding up the fair tax book, and uh, well, what's his name? Um, the pastor speaks on Fox News. I'm in a mental block right now. Um, Gary, Gary, big, Johnson, Gary Johnson was also for the fair tax, a libertarian. Okay. I know, I know. i I, I got to have a talk with him. I actually met him in person. Anyway, um, fair tax, okay. Here's the only way we can tax. This is how the federal government, do you know, our federal government operated for 150 years without an income tax. Did you know that? Even through the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yep. Here's how the constitutional framers set it up. Okay? Tariffs. That was one. Two was apportionment. What is apportionment? Apportionment is where the federal government says, "Okay, uh, California, you have this amount of people. That's this. That's I don't know, 20% of the, of the population. You pay us 
the federal government one check, or maybe quarterly, I don't care, 20% of our anticipated expenses, Connecticut, you you know, like North Dakota, you got like a half percent of the population, okay, you write us a check for half percent of our proposed budget, it's called apportionment, the money went straight to Washington, D.C., and landed there, didn't come back to the states with heavy strings through grant programs, okay, then you have another thing, it's called the currency, the federal government would print, you know, a miner work all day and find an ounce of gold, he'd go to the government, they'd give him a piece of paper, it's called a $20 bill, all right, twenty dollars to an ounce of gold. That's the way it was. Okay, through these systems, America lasts 150 years. If you have a fair tax, a sales tax, a national sales tax, a national excise tax, any kind of tax, where it goes into the hands of the federal <laughs> government without apportionment, without the constitutional systems, we will be back to the same old swear word. Okay, that is why a fair tax, an income tax, any of these systems. It is a miserable failure. It only grows the federal government, and now we've got the, the, the Department of Homeland Security. How many billions of bullets? That whole system is not the way the framers intended. It's for the states to take care of themselves and help a little bit with the union. That's the bottom line. Yep, you're absolutely correct. Hey, Mark, I got a, a uh, back to the uh, rules and elections conversation. You still there? Yep, here. Hey, Chuck. There is. Chris, it's Chris. Hey, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm giving a shout-out to Chuck. What? I'm giving a shout-out to Chuck. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, you know, we look across the board at the, the strengths and weaknesses right now and, and, you know, the wounded parts of the party and things like that. And I also, you know, typically – try to look at some of the positive sides of things. I mean, we got 24 total Republican-controlled states. we got 30 governorships. We have 36 governors coming up for re-election. I mean, there's a lot going on in 2014. We have 435 House seats and 33 Senate seats, plus any special elections. So there's, there's a lot going on, and a lot of people are out there kicking butt and taking names, trying to, you know, trying to move things forward. Um, I know Palin, you know, is, is – getting geared up to do her thing again and and you know she's produced a lot of success in this party and the tea party and you know brand and rubio and the rest of them so you know what is the positive side of things that you see going on right now well yeah i mean you know here in maine we have our our governors up for re-election in 2014 uh, governor lepage and um there's been quite a few polls out there and he's doing pretty good um so we're, you know, obviously we're we're gearing up for his reelection in, in 2014, and uh, the, in, in Maine we had the, the House and the Senate in 2010. We, we took both of those with LePage in 2010. And we lost them both back in uh, 2012. So we have some work to do. So we're working on, on on getting those majorities back here in Maine. As far as the the rest of the country, again, I don't know each particular state. You know, as well as Maine, but here in Maine, we are we are gearing up to take you know, to, to keep the governorship and to, to take back the House and the Senate and get this uh, the, the, the state back on track. So we have some opportunities, and we are uh, you know, to do that, and, and we are you know working on fundraising, getting out there, getting the message out, and uh, you know talking about the Constitution, about why it matters and, and why it's relevant to to everybody you talk to, and, and you know. Um, there's a discussion I had with someone tonight about, you know, getting out there, not just telling people 
about constitutional government, but why, you know, why that is important, why the Constitution matters, why something that was written over 200 years ago is still important today and why it still is relevant. And to be able to not just say, well, it's constitutional, or I, I believe in the Constitution but, Constitution, but you have to explain why, you know, what yeah. particular issue. So, so those are things that we're working on to to help get the message out. And, uh, you know, in, in Maine's an interesting state, we have, you know, probably 25 to 30% Democrat, 25 to 30% Republican, and then you have that whole group of independents unenrolled in the middle. So a lot of those people will go towards Governor LePage um, if we are able to, uh, you know, do, do our best to articulate his message and the message of the Republican Party here in Maine um, in, in, in the way we're doing it. And I think we, we stand a good chance of holding the governorship and, and maybe getting back one of the two or, or both houses. And, uh, you know, that's what's happening at the state level. And, you know, from what I'm hearing, you know, what you're saying, and I'm hearing from others, that that's happening in other states as well. So mm-hmm. that goes back to the next step of, well, you know, how much nullification or, um, you know, Tenth Amendment-type muscle are we willing to flex with the federal government on a particular issue? Each state has to decide on its own, you know, are we going to nullify, are we going to flex our muscle under the Tenth Amendment and say, you know, we are a sovereign state, uh, FDA, USDA, <laughs> get out of our state. Stop telling our farmers, for example, you know how to farm. That's a big thing with us up here in Maine, with the FDA and the USDA coming into the state of Maine and flexing their muscle. We have a we have a huge thing going on right now up in Maine, even at the local level. I mean, we're talking down to the town level in Hancock County, just south of us, and maybe moving up to our county in Washington County. We have towns. We have towns passing these local food ordinances, basically saying within the sovereign borders of this town, anybody who grows or raises, you know, whatever type of food and wants to sell it to somebody within this town can do so without federal or state um, mm. interference. And the only thing you're going to get is the tax you know, revenue from that. Um, th- this this falls under our natural rights as human beings, and then home rule under the main constitution to do so. So, so this, this is trade. where mm-hmm. it, this this is where we're going up here in Maine, and this is so I, I imagine, you know, this this kind of activity and and this sentiment is happening across the country. I just know that I know it very well right here in our backyard. Right. So to give you some, some concrete examples of, of what's happening. I, I do see opportunities and, and 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 some hope for for sovereign states to be able to flex a muscle and say, okay, there comes a point, guys. You know, <laughs> enough is enough. Right. Well, well there's two, I, I think, there's two I big think issues. Mark, I, I think Mark brings up a, a very important uh, aspect of this whole thing is that if the Republican Party makes the right decision, there is an army. There is an army of activists out there that are willing to carry the water for this party for nothing. They're willing to spend their own money. You can't 
you can't buy this kind of activism. The Democrat Party has unlimited funds, and they buy their phony activism. The Republican Party does not have the funds, as, as much funds. You know, you look at the Republican Party, the Koch brothers, they, they uh, support something. It's all over the news media. George Soros, the Thai Foundation, and all these guys, they, they, they've got... Ten to one, the money the Democrats do is what the Republican Party has. We have got to spend our money wisely, first of all, like Boucher, who uh, won four states for Rick Santorum in one night, okay, on a shoestring budget, um, as articulated to us here down in the Carolinas. Um, uh, But you've got this whole other aspect of... We have the grassroots folks, the Newt Gingrich, the Ron Paul guys, and the Santorum guys, that we we might fight with each other, but we're ready to go talk to our neighbors. We're ready to go to the church meetings to to go get this uh, political revival going. It's something that money can't even buy. So if the Republican Party makes the right decision, and and allows the grassroots to participate, then we're golden. Well, one of the one of the things I was going to toss in on top of it, you know, listening to what what you were saying and what Mark was saying, it, is Obama's handing us all the fuel we need. Uh, 2014 Obamacare gets implemented. It's going to hurt a lot of people. He just tried to destroy the Second Amendment, <laughs> you know, across the nation. And, you know, he's flying around on our tax dollars going to Colorado and Connecticut to, you know, to lie to the world about, you know, Second Amendment isn't being infringed upon. And that was a massive rallying cry. There's all these things that occur that become, you know, become those flag, you know, those standards that people can can rally on regardless if you're a moderate, a right-wing, left-wing, Christian, or libertarian you know, these are liberty issues. You know, Mark, you were talking about, you know, the Constitution, being able to explain to people, you know, not just, oh, it's constitutional, but why? Well, liberty is the message. I mean, that's what Ron Paul, you know, did so well on. The message of liberty crosses all lines. You know, why is it that um, in when Gingrich had the Republican wave and they won the majority, and, and why did Reagan have such a huge sweeping win because it was a simple message that crossed party lines and ideologies you know if you want to win you got to focus on those things that that affect people that they can agree on that contract with america with gingrich he didn't he didn't you know he had 30 other things he wanted to do but he picked 10 items that resonated with with the population of the country that's why they won it was simple I, I, I would agree. I would agree with you, sir. And what, what I would also articulate here is that, you know, there's some that are um, in the Ron Paul camp that, uh, you know, obviously every camp has got. I, I wouldn't call them our wacko birds, as John McCain would say, but every camp has our purists, and I'm glad we have our yeah. purists out there. <laughs> our purists. Uh, we need them. We, you know, we need them to keep us honest. 
at, at at every level. But Ron Paul, you know, a lot of Ron, some not a lot, but some Ron Paul supporters would say Newt Gingrich was, you know, totally horrible. And there are some things yeah, that Newt Gingrich has done that I really don't like. But Ron Paul has a 100% voting record when it comes to Newt Gingrich running as Speaker of the House. And Newt did a lot of good things. This mm-hmm. is what we need. We need to be like Ron Paul. We need to be like Newt Gingrich. And we need to be able to work with each other on the conservative aspects of things. What we don't need to be doing is what, you know, uh, George W. Bush did and just totally caving in to people like Kennedy and and implementing the Democrats' platform. Or like Boehner. <laughs> exactly, yeah, Boehner, like exactly. You, you got that right. I mean, he's Obama's right-hand man. What greater, I mean, what the hell, Obama, he's got control of the House. My God. Listen, any any Ron Paul supporter that wouldn't, and I am a dyed-in-the-wool Ron Paul supporter, and Rand Paul and Ted Cruz and, you know, Jim DeMent, I'm not just a Ron Paul supporter, but I, I, I support the guy 100%. But anybody who would not take Newt Gingrich over... John Boehner is a moron. Yeah. The thing about Gingrich is you have to look at the era he was in. You have to look at the world politics that was going on, and you have to look at what he accomplished. The guy gave the Republicans back their freaking cojones. He gave them back success. He, he created a vision, and he worked for 15, 20 years of his life, you know, to actually win back the House for the first time in our lifetime. You know, and then he fought against the most liberal president we had had, you know, for a long time, and and he fought him off, and and he made some concessions, he got things changed. He did what a speaker of the house is supposed to do. Was he perfect? No. You know, it's a lot easier to be a senator or a representative and have a perfect voting record than it is to be the administrator of 435 people and get shit done. You you know what I mean? It's a different dynamics. Exactly, and I'll tell you this. I bet you Newt Gingrich could make Barack Obama act a lot more like Bill Clinton. Oh, you know it. Oh, they were scared yeah, to death of him. Why do you think they destroyed Newt in the primary? They're scared mm-hmm. to death of him, you know? Right. Exactly right. Newt, Newt knows how to get shit done, you know? You may, you know, I, I, you know, I, I got all my Ron Paul buddies and stuff. I hear all the conspiracy theories and the CFR and all that crap, too, you know? But bottom line is, is you got to have people who can get shit done in leadership positions, you know. Yeah. And, and when I and I, you know, when you know, I was just gonna say this country lost a, a great opportunity, in my opinion, uh, yeah. in missing out on Newt Gingrich being the president. Yeah, or well, House, or, but, or the House Speaker. Yeah, God, that would have been amazing if they had voted him in. And as far well, as the CFR thing, uh, yeah, he may be a member, but only to find out what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, we could go down the somebody. New Gingrich. We could go down that rabbit hole for all night. But I, I agree with you guys. And, and and you know, bottom line is is that we got to win. And, and that that's the bottom line. And there's no perfect anything out there, you know. Um, and 2014 is key. You know, everybody wants 2016 to roll off, you know, perfectly for us because we're all caught up in – in what happened in 2012, but the bottom line is, is 2014 comes first. And there's a lot of seats up for re-election in 2014. It will set the stage. It'll tell us what the, what the country's thinking. It'll tell us where the tolerance levels are at. 
It'll tell us if the Liberty candidate like Rand Paul is really going to be the flavor for 2016 or not. I mean, there's a lot of things. I mean, Mark, you know, you're a strategist. You know, I've heard you talk before. I've read your stuff. You know, there's so many little dynamics, things, little hints that most people miss, you know, based on, on a series of events. And 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 it's and it's coming. I you know I welcome the fight that we're in because like like I said at the beginning when I first came on, if Romney would have won would have won, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Thank God we're able to have this conversation and and be in a position of fight and take back control because we wouldn't have had it. No, yeah, people would have thought, okay, well you have a Republican in the White House now. It's time to rest. But go ahead, well, you speaking to you directly, yeah. Mark. So go ahead if you want to respond. Well, yeah, I mean that's that's pretty common, you know. If 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 someone with an R next to their name gets in the White House, well, then everybody everybody just kind of stands down, and then you're told to to kind of fall in line and don't criticize for quite a while, right? So that's part of the part of the the the, 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 the turnaround when when someone with an R gets elected. Okay, give them a chance and see what they can do. So everybody kind of gives them a grace period for what a year, two years maybe three, they kind of say, okay, well, things aren't going our way. So, so yeah, if Romney had been elected with, you know, a, a, someone with an R, you know, we would we would be kind of sitting back and waiting to see what would happen. So now that, that we're here and Obama got reelected, now everybody's trying to figure out who's going to be the top, you know, gun for 2016, you know, that's, that's you know, still three years down the road. And you guys are right. That 2014 is coming, and so what are the, what, you know, what what can we read from the tea leaves going into uh, this election? Well, you know, I would say first of all, look around in 2013 at the gubernatorial races. You've got Christie in New Jersey, which is probably a shoe in You've got uh, Cuccinelli down in Virginia. I think Cuccinelli is probably closer to watch. Than someone like Christie, I think Christie's got it pretty much hands down. Um, and New Jersey's, you know, a very you know, liberal type state, but Virginia's an interesting state because that's that's pretty much a a, uh, a, a a a a a Keystone type state that it can go either way. And a, a Delaware state. So, so look, I would say look at what happens with Cuccinelli in 2013 in Virginia. If you know, does he win by a lot or by a little, and, and how did he win? I've yeah, but doesn't that, but but Mark, doesn't that have a lot more to do with the fact that the Republicans just gave Virginia a seven billion dollar quote conservative tax hike? I mean, that's going to hurt Cuccinelli. Yeah, I mean, so so I mean, he's got to deal with that himself. I mean, yeah, that's so. Can he overcome that? You know, can he can he overcome that? Um, I don't know. We yeah, got eight million people and seven billion in taxes, so. I don't see how that's going to happen. I mean, you know, so, you know, you know, that, that's, that's the thing. All these things are happening. Keep an eye on what happens with Cuccinelli. Can he overcome that? So those are things that you want to keep an eye on. And, and any other, you know, gubernatorial race in 2013 that uh, that may pop up. And any special election like um you know, any, any retiring uh, congressman or senator decides to, to get out early. And so in Michigan, you've got, uh, you know, Carl Levins who's getting out, and now you're looking at someone like maybe Jeff of the Mosh jumping in on the Republican side 
to to take you know to to, to go up and, and and carry the medal um, in Michigan. He so wants to go. That, he might run Senate, right? Amash. Right. Right. So, That'd so be that's amazing. another watch from 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 a Liberty perspective. You know who's who's going to win the Republican primary in Michigan to replace uh, you know Carl Levin when he retires and, and doesn't run again in uh, 2014. Uh, you know through this year it, it's going to it's going to get pretty interesting up there. So those are some things that, you know indicators you can look for. You know who wins the primaries in, in, in Michigan. Is it Saul Anuzis? You know, is Saul going to get in? Is um, you know, Terry, Lynn, Terry Lynn Land, who is the committee woman from Michigan, is she going to get in? You know, different different players, different perspectives, and where is it all going to fall out? You know, give it give it some time, but keep an eye on it. That's the key. Keep an eye on it, and then take some notes. Michigan. Hey, uh... It, 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 Michigan's another state that you want to keep a close eye on. Virginia, Michigan, you know, these states are, are pretty important. I would say for right now, keep an eye on Cuccinelli in, in Virginia and see how that goes. That's going to be very interesting. Yeah. Hey, uh, can I throw out some thoughts? Sure, go ahead, Kelly. And then uh, we'll bring it yeah. in to Cindy after you. Go ahead. All right, sorry. I, I got a phone quick and talked to some libertarian people about meeting up tomorrow in Sacramento. Anyway... Um, yeah, Republicans, give them a chance, give them another chance, you know, we'll kind of wait and see whatever, uh, you know, vote for Romney, but, you know, I just, I'm sorry, I'm just going to have a Thomas Jefferson moment, if you will. Um, some of you might know where this famous writing came from. Um, Thomas Jefferson wrote, Prudence indeed will dictate that mankind is more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they have become accustomed. But when a long history of injury and usurpation displays invariably the same object to establish these states its colonies under an absolute tyranny, it is their right, it is their duty to change such government. I, I, I hope either A, the Republicans change the rules, get things straight, get the people back into their party, or... I'm going to say libertarian. I, I, these rules are just. I, how many, how many ways past Tuesday must I say I'm frustrated? Okay. And again, if the Republican Party would respect the Constitution, i.e., NDA Patriot Act, if they would respect the Constitution, honor the rule of law, and have honest and fair elections, I would come home. I hope I, we can only wait to see what they'll do with the rules. Well, this is this is Mark, and you know, national committee man for the, the you know the great state of Maine. I'm on the rules committee, and as Chuck knows, uh, we had you know a lot of discussions down in Charlotte. Um, our position from the state of Maine is to get these rules back to the 2008 rules leading into the convention. That is probably not going to happen, but from what Morton Blackwell is proposing, it's not a whole lot different in many respects. So we are trying to fight to get these rules back to a position to where the grassroots conservatives and the average Republican stands a chance. As we talked about earlier with someone like Rand Paul or somebody else running. So these are the issues that that we are bringing forward 
And, you know, w- w- with regards to the rules fight, I'm going in there to Los Angeles from a position, take it back to 2008. I'm probably taking the, the, the hardest, strongest line stand of any member of that committee. I don't know how many people on the committee are going to agree with me on that or not. Probably not too many. They're probably going to want to work through Rule 12, that being Mark, the case. Yeah. Yes, um, I, I, I got um, – Brian Darty gave me uh, – he told me to go to the resolution that you guys have, and so I took part yep. of what he said about that and put it into my resolution that we, we um, were passing around here in our county. And awesome. uh, and everywhere else. Awesome. And I I wanted to tell you that we put that in there that we we don't recognize the uh, 2012 rules and that we want them uh, we call them rule null and void and and we want we recognize the rules passed at the 2008 national convention as the official rules yep. of our party. God bless you. We we you know that was the that that was what we passed here in in, in Maine. I took that to the resolution committee, if you remember, back in the winter meeting, and they ruled it out of order, mm-hmm. and it didn't even come up for a vote, so they they kicked it out. But we we, see, we we took it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Listen, one of you guys. Go ahead, Mark, and then Cindy. No, we. Um, no, go go ahead, ladies first. Yep, there you go. Well, I was just going to say that's why we need to. We need to put all our efforts into pressuring um, Priebus because if he doesn't support this, these motions that Blackwell's going to be bringing up, then we don't really have a prayer. Everything's going to be just pushed down, pushed down. Um, sorry, out of order. Sorry, out of order. It's like um, you're talking to a stone wall, and no, and, and no rule is a safe rule with them. So it's going to take us in the grassroots, and people like I put down there that I'm a member of the um, Republican Executive Community, Committee of Volusia County, and you know our president is going to go down there and talk to Lenny Curry and try to put pressure on him to put pressure on Priebus. If we get enough states that will yep. get grow a pair of huevos and <laughs> and be able to and be able to stand up to him, then maybe we can get this done. But otherwise, we don't have a prayer. Well, I, I know Sharon Day from, from your state, and I know that she is one that will take that. I, I know she may not even agree w- with your stance, but I know that she will take that to Ryan's and, and, and plop it on his desk. Okay. Well, I know that P- Peter Feeman, our, our committee man, is livid about this. So I know mm-hmm. that he'll do what, whatever he wants to do, but I don't know what Lenny Curry's stand on it is. And, and, and real quick, folks, I do see that uh, there's about 11 minutes of lifetime left, but, of course, there is the extended session uh, of the show, which uh, will be in about 11 minutes. So I'd like to thank everyone who listened to the show live. And if you'd like to continue listening on into the extended version, feel free to call in at area code 347-945-7428. And you can either just listen, of course, or if you'd like to chime in, just push the one on your uh, phone dial uh, to let me know you'd like to chime in or send me a message here in the chat or from Facebook. And so uh, we'll go that way. So I apologize for uh, interrupting you folks. Uh, go ahead. 
send you your Well, remark. I'm done. Oh, okay. I'm done. <laughs> I didn't want to. I apologize for you saying that there was a time left. I just like uh, yeah. put the call number for who can listen to that as well, or they can listen to the, the rest of the um, extended version on the archives. Go ahead, Mark. No, Cynthia, I, I think it's great what you're doing down in Florida. That 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 is what needs to be done for everyone who's listening. That is the kind of activism that needs to be done at every county level across this country. You guys are a model for the entire country. You know, we passed it at our state committee here in Maine. We took it to the RNC in, in the winter meeting. It was shot down. But, you know, now we have a, you know, a, a special meeting, if you call it that, out in Los Angeles. To, to discuss the rules and, and try to get this uh, this back on track, and so with that said, um, you know we, we did push the ball down the field to the point where the spring meeting is normally a chairman's meeting where you, the chairs meet from around the country, the committee members meet, and it's a lot of uh, you know other type of non you know serious or you know non rules or resolution type things. Being done. This is a very serious meeting that's coming up in, in Los Angeles. So we've pushed the ball, we've, we've kicked the can down to the point where they, they have to pick it up and say, okay, we have a problem with the grassroots, we have a problem with the rank and file, we have a problem with the majority of Republicans who are mad and upset about everything that happened in Tampa with these rules. What are we going to do about it? That's where we're at right now. So we're going into that meeting, and again, uh, you know, from Maine, you know, we are leading the, the strongest charge probably of any state. Now, that said, you know, they're probably not going to revert right back to the 2008 rules. You know, they're going to try to go through Rule 12 like, like Morton has, has talked about. And, uh, you know, I'm with Morton on, on that plan. If, he, if, if that is what we have to do, if that's all we've got, then, you know, I'll work with him and others to try to get these rules guys back to the point, like the gentleman who called it in California, I believe, who, who said, you know, hey, I, I want to come back to the party, but I need to see some good faith. And that was part of my campaign when I ran, you know, for RNC chair. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I kept expressing that, guys, over and over and over again to anybody who would listen. We have to do things at the RNC level to show that we are serious and we are going to implement these these types of changes in good faith. Things that the grassroots can see and feel that say, okay, yeah, we're with you. You guys are serious. You know, you, you guys actually do care about us. This is not a war of the establishment pushing their will down upon the grassroots. I think right now you've got the serious, serious problem of the grassroots being felt that there is a serious push being pushed down upon them from the establishment, and yes, you know, how do we how, how do we how do we break out of this and and regain our party back? Because it, it's our party, guys. It's our party, not theirs. It's our party. It, it, it's yeah, the party. How do we how do we get that down there? How do we get that into their heads? How how do we beat it into their heads? Just like you're doing, oh, I have, Cynthia. Yeah. I have in, in, in Florida. And that one way is what you're doing at, at the county level. Another way is, you know, getting those resolutions pushed up 
and 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 you know like if, if Chuck you're you know if you're still on the on, on the call, you and Nicole and Brian and everybody going to Los Angeles, to Hollywood, and and showing up you know en masse, in force, and saying you know what hey guess what, you know it may be three thousand miles away but we care, like Chuck said we care so deeply about this party. We care so deeply about the future of our country that we're willing to spend our own money, our own time, and and, and do what it takes to put this on your radar screen, RNC. This is a serious matter. If you don't get this right in Los Angeles or, you know, for the next meeting or the next meeting, next five meetings, right, as as we talked about earlier, if you don't get these rules right, guys, it's sayonara. It, 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 goodbye in 2016. You've yeah. got to get it right. If, if not 2014, I mean, I, I, I think it could be very detrimental to 2014 yeah. as well. Uh, but I heard uh, Chris like to chime in, so uh, go ahead. Well, Chris. the rules the rules aren't going to affect 2014. The rules are for the uh, presidential. Well, no, I understand, but if, if the rules, what, no, what, what I mean by that is if the rules go against, you know, what the grassroots would like to see. It, I'm wondering how unmotivated that it's going to well, uh, yeah, but, the grassroots you know, is going the, to become in fighting for, you know, candidates exactly. in 2014. Yeah, but that, the, that's but what I mean how it's affected. You heard Mr. Morton and you heard Mark say the same thing, that they're, sure. they're probably not going to get changed this time anyway. So some of that is just being realistic. Um, Mark said earlier that we have multiple meetings between now right. and, and when the primary starts. And, you know, there will continually be a you know, address. So, you know, this is one of those things where we just got to keep fighting ahead and and let the you know the people who are uh, involved in that process keep us informed. And mm-hmm. and but I did want to say something that was that I believe is really important. And content of messages is extremely important. You know, we've been uh, we did this with Prebus, we did this with Boehner, trying to get people to pick up the phone and make the phone calls. You know. Um, uh, we try to get you elected, Mark, and and you know, getting people to understand. You got 168 people to call and email and get your friends and sit down and explain it to them and get them pick up the phone. Here's the key: the, whenever you are are getting ready to go into a negotiation or you have a point to make with somebody in this kind of situation, if I if I was calling my my local committee members here in my state of Washington, the question, the first question is, do you want to lose again? You're in a key position. My question to you before I tell you what I want to tell you is, do you want to lose again? No, I don't want to lose again. Okay, you're in a position right now. Let me tell you why we lost in 2012. You may not know this. You may not agree with it, but I can tell you I live in the grassroots. I know why people, you know, why Romney lost. Now, here's the thing. If you want to win again, and, and you guys went out and did this autopsy and spent all this money with all these consultants instead of picking up the phone and calling the grassroots who were disgusted by what happened in 2012, you could have saved millions of dollars on this report by polling about a million people in the grassroots, and they would have given you the answer why you lost. Now, here's what you need to do. You need to go down there, and you need to be a representative for me because if I'm going to get up and go to work, and fight and, and be involved and become a committee member or delegate or support somebody to support this party, you need to go down there and get these damn rules changed. Sometimes you've got to talk straight to people. 
and you have to talk in a way that makes them realize that you're going to lose again if you don't get on this and get it changed. Because you can spend tons of money, do all these stupid outreach programs, and like Chuck was saying, spend all this money to you know do these ads in Hispanic neighborhoods. Let me tell you something. You want voters to show up and you want people to get out on the street and knock doors like Cindy and get involved. You need to quit bullshitting people and playing games with people and get the establishment to change these rules. That's what you need to do if you don't want to win, if you want to win. And real quick, we only have uh, just about a minute left. You can go ahead. Real quick, quick, Chris, I just want to put out the call-in number for those folks who want to listen to the um, extended version, 347-945-7428. There's about less than a minute to uh, call in to listen to the extended version. Sorry about that, Chris. Go ahead. No, it's all right. It's just... It, it, when when we did the Priebus thing and, and, you know, to try to get Mark elected, I think that the mistake people were making was calling in and saying, hey, we would like you to support Mark. No, you got to say, you know what? Priebus lost us the last election. He is the establishment guy. We have a guy in Maine that's got, you know, all these these attributes, and we need you to support him and get him on the ballot and give him a fair shot. I am a voting member. I am grassroots. I am your future. This is what I need you to do for me. These people work for us. Sometimes, I don't know what it is about Americans, but if somebody has a title, we think they have authority over us. We have the authority. Am I wrong, Mark, on this? No, and and, and what I'm I'm about to say, guys, might be the first time you you hear this ever from someone who's been elected into a, a position like this. I fear you far more than I fear them above me, okay? I, I, fear, I fear the people. I fear doing something wrong that will um, infuriate the people. I believe in the people. I believe in the people of America. I believe in the people of Maine and those who elected me at the convention last May, those are the people I answer to, not the people in the establishment or the elite who want something other. I fear you, and and I listen to you, and I do what you want, not what they want. That might be the first time you've ever heard that, but that's how I truly feel, and I I will take that all the way to the end even if it means I never get elected to anything ever again. but Sure, and you know, and Mark, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but I want to get this key point. You're a good guy with a good heart, and you have morals and character, so you have, I expect you to say that. There's people in power in these positions that aren't like you, and they need to be told they need to fear us. You, you understand what I'm saying? They need to understand that we are their future. This party's going to lose if they don't start paying attention to us, because these are the ones they just spent all this money trying to figure out with this autopsy report. How, why did we lose? Well, you lost because you ran the damn grassroots out of the, out of the party, the conservatives, the libertarians, the young people, and you need to hear that. They need to hear that. So when you people are picking up the phone to call the committee members, you know, you can be polite. You can tone things down. I know that's why they call me trog. All right, but I'm giving you core substance of the of the value of the conversation that you need to get across to these people. 
you, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Mark. But I just want to make sure that that. No, I, I, I understand. No, I I understand, but um, you know, look, look, looking at at the way things are going right now, and as as many of the consultants have said, the the growth and opportunity project, and the way things are going, it, it's it, you know it's it's of the establishment by the establishment for this establishment. So what we're what we're seeing is probably there's a good chance that nothing will change. In this meeting? Uh, in, in this meeting and moving ahead. Okay. Mm-hmm. So how do we beat them? We keep talking. We keep talking. We keep talking and we keep organizing, and we keep fighting, and we expose it, and we keep talking about it. And I will bring it up in Los Angeles, and the grassroots has to keep fighting, exposing the larger numbers. (laughs) I said in larger numbers as well, right. I mean, there needs to be a swell of numbers uh, getting into the fight. Right. Well, you remember what Newt said? It was one of Newt's brilliant, you know, when he just throws out these things once in a while that are just like, duh. He said the problem with the Republican Party is you got five white guys sitting in a room talking about how they're going to get the Hispanic vote. Then they go tell them that, and the guy's not in the meeting. He's not inclusive. This is a common problem, whether it's Hispanics or the or the blacks or the grassroots. They want to figure out how to get your money and get your vote. We all knew that through the primary. It was very obvious. And so now they're at a point where they just lost. So I don't know if they're ready to hear it, but like you said, keep talking. They need to hear this message. Hey, yep. uh, K- Kelly here. Hey, Mr. Willis, I got a question for you. Yep. All right. Um, so you are on the rules committee? Yes. Good. Oh, my gosh. I'm tickled. All right. I'm going to work to get rules... <laughs> Adopted. <laughs> oh yeah, all right. Sounds like the Liberty Cindy's tickled too. Now. <laughs> okay. Well, well, yeah. yeah no, no. I. This, okay. Uh, I'm gonna go to Libertarian Party. I've got a lot of support already. Okay. Um, I got a lot of support already for these rules. It's an in-house accountability system. And the Libertarian Party is. Oh, by the way, we've grown 15 percent uh, in the last uh, six, seven months. Anyway, I'm going to propose these rules, and and I'm again I'm trying to make the Republicans jealous, so they have an in-house accountability system, and um, I don't I'm not going to have time between now and can I send them to you on Monday? Yeah, I, I mean I'm 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 you know to, to, so you're sending me rules rules for the Republican Party to to, to adopt or the Repo- I, or the Libertarian Party. Well, we're, we're, libertarians are going to beat you to it because we got to, in California anyway. But the nationalists, Republicans want to adopt them. God bless them, okay? I don't care yeah, which party adopts. Yeah, yeah. I don't care which party adopts these rules of accountability, okay? Yeah. Um, I got just it. want in house ethics enforced. I want to screen the bad apples before they ever go to D.C. or state legislatures. That's my end goal. I mean, my, my, I have a higher goal than the Libertarian Republican Party, and it is this. 
It is fiat justitia ruat calium, which, of course, Rex there is Latin. He may be able to interpret for us. But that is a phrase that says, let justice be done, though the heavens fall. And if I can help in any party, that's fine. Let justice rule. And let okay. let us clean up our politicians. It's that simple. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, Monday I can get them to you, and I can tell you how, how the libertarians love them. All right. Well, let, let me give out my email address to, to everybody on the call tonight who's on right now. My my email address is is M Willis M W I L L I S at Reagan R E A G A N like the president at Reagan dot com. M Willis at Reagan dot com. Right. You know what, well, uh, Mark. You have one to check that out, actually, the Reagan.com email addresses. You have to check that out. It's supposed to be really good uh, anti-spam, things of that nature. Right. Yeah, they're, they're, they're really good. Really good. Oh, go ahead, Cindy. Sure. I was just going to say, we, we also sent a resolution um, to to our um, chairman, our state chairman and committee man and committee woman, to um, uh, get them to uh, nominate you to be on the ballot uh, against previous. Oh, that, 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 you know that, that that's funny because um, Sharon Day she pulled me aside after the vote at the winter meeting and said, you know, Mark, you know, we we, we got a lot we got a lot of emails from people in Florida that that wanted you and. Uh, so I, I I I I can't thank you guys enough for what you did. I mean that was that, I mean everybody you know who's listening and everybody across America who 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 joined in. It was absolutely amazing, absolutely amazing. I made more but friends. We've got to do we've got to do even better though this time. Yeah. Here's the thing, guys. Um, for the for the RNC meeting in Los Angeles. For at this point in time, for this meeting in in uh, next week, any any amendment to any rule had to be turned in by Tuesday the second. Hmm. So so anything that I get tonight or tomorrow or or whatever, I can I, I can bring that forward, but they're going to reject it. They, they won't even listen to it Un, under the the rules, quote unquote, the rules. Um, in, in anything that I get cannot be taken as an amendment, probably until the, you know until the next meeting in the summer. Because but you the, can let the them know how we're, but you can let them know how we're feeling about this stuff. Oh, oh yeah, oh, I'm good at that. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you are. <laughs> Well, well, Kelly here. Hey, Mark. I, 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 Mr. Willis. I, I want to. Uh, I want to ex- display a little bit more about how we're feeling by asking both Chris, well, of course, Robert too, Chris, Robert, and Rex. I want to ask them this simple question because I am absolutely confused. Are you guys for or you against the Republican Party? I can't figure it out. <laughs> well, I'll, 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 I'll answer that first. Uh, if you guys don't mind, Chris and Rex, 
is I am for the grassroots. I am for conservatism. You know, and even during the the primary, during the elections, I've always said I'm more about principle than party. Uh, So if there's a candidate who espouses conservatism and they're for the grassroots, those are the folks I'll support, um, regardless of the party. If if there's some folks in a party that represent that more than others, then that's uh, where I'll put my, you know, throw my support behind. So, you know, that, that would be my... My answer there is more about principle than, than party. So well, we'll go ahead and we have from Rex for a bit. So, um, Rex, if you'd like to chime in. Well, um, if the Republican Party had any sense and had made Mark Willis the chairman, I'd be rah, 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 yeah. Republican. But since they didn't, right. uh, this is their last chance. If these rules don't get fixed, and you know what, I, I'm not waiting around until September 2014. Fix them now. If they don't get fixed, No. Uh, I'm not for the Republican Party. Unfortunately, the Republican Party is the only option we have against the Democratic Socialists on the federal level. So I might tepidly support some Republican, but it would have to be a Republican like Rand Paul or Ted Cruz or Mark Willis if it's a Republican like Bob Dole or John Stale Moss McCain or Lindsey Lightness Loafers Graham or, or Mitt Romney. Uh, no, I will do everything I can to destroy the Republican Party. And uh, if you want to put the fear into them, have them listen to uh, uh, you know a couple of Tex and Rex episodes. Uh, people aren't putting up with this. And the fact is that most people are just going to go vote R because that's what they've always done. But what 2012 proved is if you don't have the grassroots, if you don't have the young liberty-minded people on board, you'll never win anything. And if they don't fix these rules... I guarantee you, those people are going to go with Gary Johnson, the Libertarian Party, the Constitution Party, or no party at all and just not vote, uh, rather than, than support another rhino. So, you know, Rens Priebus has just pretty much committed suicide for the party, or whoever controls him is committing suicide for this party. Maybe that's what they want, and mm-hmm. if that is what they want, then you know what? I'm happy to give it to them, because maybe maybe we need the Democrats to control everything and destroy this country before people wake up. But, you know, the Republican Party is the only shot that we've got. And if they don't get their act together at this meeting, um, it, it shall remain dead. And, and what Mark said <coughs> and what Chris said is true. Mark is a principled man with a good heart, and that's the kind of people that we need running this show. Uh, if, if, they, if, if the CLEC, the consultant lobbyist establishment uh, complex, doesn't, uh, doesn't realize that and get out of the way, um, you know, let the Democrats win. I don't care. Chris? Hold on. I was eating. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. All right. No, <laughs> I'm done. i have to get to that I'm at done. some point. <laughs> Good. I was hoping Rex would talk longer. I could have finished chewing. Um, I agree. Rex can keep going. Rex just... <laughs> That's yes, I'm he done. can keep going. <laughs> here's here's the thing, and, and I agree, and I think the question, I'm going to answer your question with a question, uh, Kelly. Is a gun evil? I think that was uh, an an answer. Go ahead, Kelly. I know the answer. Okay. (laughs) Maybe he's still thinking about it. The party is not evil. It's an entity. The party is full of people. Okay, you you look at Morton Blackwell, and everybody is is just fascinated by this guy because he is the party. He is 1964 on. I mean, he's history. He's been through everything. He's been through all the shit, all the good stuff, all the bad stuff, the wins, the losses. You know, and and why does he keep doing what he's doing? Because he's fighting for what he believes in. But here's here's the thing. He says that when when um, 
principal people don't get up and go to work or get involved or they leave, then the bad people take over. Well, somewhere along the line, you know, a lot of bad people have taken over. But I agree with what Rex has said. They're the minority, and they're weak. They're only strong if you empower them. That's why I don't do the Obama news of the day, because all you're doing is empowering him against your fears. That's why I don't read the articles. I don't, I don't typically, it doesn't get posted on my group. We focus on things that matter. You know, Obama is who Obama is, and it's the same mindset. I, the party, okay, right now, what I'm looking at is 2014, and I'm looking at the players and the people that it's going to take to fill uh, 469 seats and 36 governorships plus whatever house seats. Uh, I have any, I can't even focus on those things because I can only handle so much. All right, who can fill those seats? Who do we have now? If the Constitution Party, Libertarian Party can hand us 469 candidates that have a shot to win them all. I'll profile them every freaking day and, and crank up my radio show and promote the crap out of them. But I can't promote what doesn't exist. So as long as these parties, you know, Gary Johnson got 1.2 million votes. He raised two million dollars. That was a cute effort, but that does not win presidential elections. So until these parties are at a position where they can compete directly, I've got to work with what's in front of me. doesn't mean I like them. I'm for them, against them. No, I, I'm trying to keep Obama from having a Democratic House and Senate for the last two years. That's what, you know, a lot of people fear a lot of things, but... I, you know, fact is, I look at his first two years and what we're living through because of it. I don't want the last two years because it'll, he'll, he'll roast us. It'll be over in 2016. Won't, won't mean crap because I don't think he'd ever dig us out of the pile that he could generate in two more years with a full house and Senate. That's what I'm for. Now, whether now whether the Republican Party makes it past 2014. That's another story, and I'll make an opinion about it at that point in time. But right now, I'm focused on uh, winning and supporting good candidates, regardless of the party. That's my input. Well, and then we'll bring it back to you, uh, Kelly, and then Mark. Kelly, you still out there? I see you still on the on the line. Yeah, right here. Oh, oh, there you go. Sorry. Well, I, I want to go ahead and kind of answer, I want to answer my own question from the perspective of a broken heart, okay? So you date a girl, you fall in love, many, many months go by, you know, something bad happens, you break up. You, you're affectionate towards her, you're brokenhearted, you're thinking about her all the time. That's the way I am with the Republican Party. If If, if they can change, maybe we can get back together and have a wonderful relationship. If not, I just have to move on. Yeah. I yeah, that's fine. I mean, that's a, that's a that it. And you know what? I've never told anybody who to vote for. Never did it in the primary. Won't do it in the in the, um, in the you know 2014. People do what they want to do. Me, I want to prevent Obama from having a full house and Senate. It is not about the GOP to me. I don't have a love affair with the GOP. Never have. I'm an Alaskan, man. I I grew up in Oregon, Washington, Alaska. I'm an extremely independent person. I don't even really ever think I ever thought of myself as a Republican. I always thought of myself as a conservative. And that that, that was me. So I just kind of like, you know, I ended up voting Republican because that's where most of them were. Not all of them, but most of them. 
And so hey. when I go into 2014, I, it ain't about the GOP to me. It's about, hey, I don't want Obama to have full control. That, yeah, that's how hey. simple I am. Hey, Chris, the, mm-hmm. the real problem with your argument, you know, I grew up Alaskan, da-da-da-da-da, and, you know, conservative. The, the problem with your argument is I'm not sure you've grown up yet. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't plan on growing up. <laughs> but, you know, but, but does that make sense tell you what I'm saying? I, I've just never been, you know, Mark is a, you know, national, na- oh, God, don't get me wrong. I'm sorry if I get the national chair or, you know, whatever for the party. Kelly, you went to Blackwell School. I'm not a politician. I've, I've never been involved in that, you know, local stuff and state stuff. I never got involved in federal anything until this last primary. So for me, it, you know, I don't have a love affair with the Republican Party. I don't like I don't like groups at all. That's why I went to Alaska at 19. You don't go to Alaska because you like people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You go to Alaska because you like, you know, wilderness and peace and, and things you can control. You can't control people. And so, you know, my nature is not a group think type person to begin with. So screw the GOP. I just want to win. I want to save my country. You know, maybe that's too simple. Maybe I'm too simple. Send me your mark. Uh, well, I, you know, I, I just, I just see we need to somehow be able to get our message out to more people. And because we have a deficit in the in the media, it's very difficult for us as conservatives. We can't even trust Fox News. Fox News to get anything out. There's their corporatists all all cut and yeah, dry. That's true. And mm-hmm. you're not gonna you know, you're not gonna get C N N to to put out, you know, although I have to say I'm impressed with how uh Newt Gingrich has been getting on some of these liberal shows and actually getting our viewpoint out there pretty well. I've been very impressed with that. Um but basically yeah, how do we get our message out to the normal Joe Schmo, my neighbor over here across the lake, and your neighbor down the street. Um, we can't. It's it's impossible for the amount of people we have. I mean, we're we're a very small army. We're an army. We're tough, and we got our armor on. But we we're pretty small, and we got to reach a lot of we got to reach a lot of ears somehow, the hard way, because we're not going to get any help from the media. Yeah, that's that, that's for certain. And you know, I think that you know shows such like uh, you know Rex and Chris and, and Bard's logic, you know, and of course the internet, you know, and the blogs and everything on there. I believe that the internet will, you know, eventually uh, become the, the new media where those people, you know, get their information. I mean, it's starting now, uh, where a lot of folks are not um, relying as much on, you know, even what they used to be called the alternative media when we're talking about Fox News, um, as you said, especially illustrated through this last primary. Um, that when the uh, rubber hits the road, you really can't, um, you know, rely on them to, to really support conservatism and set up corporatism or, you know, perhaps a, a certain party. I was really unhappy with the way Fox News handled the past election um, and pushing Mitt, Mitt Romney. Uh, but I think there's a lot of uh, corporate uh, influence there. So, yeah, I'd like to see if uh, you'd like to chime in on any of that, Mark, uh, what we've got here. Yeah, from what I'm hearing, guys, 
maybe stepping back and asking the bigger question that I'm hearing from a lot of people is tonight on this call and around the, the state of Maine, for sure, it, it is very you – do, do we want to live in a world where people are saying, gee, do I really want to be a part of the Republican Party anymore? Mm-hmm. Gee, do I, do I really want to join this party? If, if you're asking yourself that question, what does that tell you? You you should be – we want to get to a point where people say, say, hell yes, hell yes, that party is for me. Those guys have it right. Even if somebody says, you know, I'm not a political party person, but this party makes sense to me. These guys are getting it right. I'm not hearing that at all. What I'm hearing yeah. is people saying, what I'm hearing is one person, people saying, I'm just one step away of walking out the door. Yep. I'm one step away from just leaving this party and, and and never, you know, coming back. That is not a good position for us to be in as Republicans or any party because as as you guys talked about, unfortunately, the Republican Party right now is the only vehicle out there to get our message out that that will actually resonate with the majority of Americans. But when you have a lot of people out there across this country, I'm telling you, across this country, nationwide, who are saying, I'm one step away from walking out. i got better things to do. The grassroots especially. Yeah, My you know, time. They, they've got to, you know, they have to take care of their own. They have to take care of their families. You know, and it does definitely takes time and resources. Um, you know, to be in the game, and you know, I think a lot of folks, unfortunately, you know, and I've you know, opined about this before, <laughs> they spend too much time watching unreality reality shows. Um, you know, but it, it does take a lot. And then, but when you feel like you keep hitting your head against the wall and you're not getting anywhere, then you know, a lot of folks get demotivated. Well, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to go back and concentrate on my, you know, on my day-to-day life. You know, why am I spending all this time and resources? And basically, not getting as much rest on this when it's not making any kind of effect. Well, Ron Paul grew the party. Ron Paul grew the party. Ron Paul. Ron Paul showed showed yeah. the the party exactly what to do. And it isn't about changing the party's conservative positions on social values or anything else. But it's simply mm-hmm. about about actually being principled about the Constitution, about good governance, and and what what the the RNC did was told all of those people that they don't matter. And if that's how a party is going to behave, it's not going to grow. And and the fact is that there will always be, you know, a large number of people who are going to vote for the you know, Republican candidate no matter how bad he is, even if he's worse than Mitt Romney. But the fact is that that the elections aren't won by 50%. They're not won by 51%. The elections are won by a few million. And what the Republican Party is doing is alienating enough of those few million to never, ever win an election again. The only message that they need to hear at this spring meeting is that if they don't become inclusive, and not this kind of you know genital skin color pandering fake Democrat-style inclusiveness, but actually mm-hmm. inclusive of people who are principled and active conservatives, and I will argue that libertarians are conservatives, not the big L. Gary Johnson freak show 
libertarians, but actual libertarians like Rand Paul and Ron Paul, uh, who believe that the Constitution is the supreme law of the land and that there is dual sovereignty in this country. And, and, and if we're going to support this kind of federalism in the government, then how can we not support it in our own party? If it's going to be a top-down party, then I can expect that it's going to be a top-down governance if I elect any of these people. So, you know, if, if you just piss off 1.4 million people enough for them to go to the Constitution Party and the Libertarian Party, you're, you're finished. And, and I don't think that, that guys like Karl Rove and, and Rince Priebus and, and John Boehner and Lindsey Graham and John McCain get that. You know what That's what they sleeping, need to hear. Do you know what a sleeping giant they have at their disposal and they will not bother to wake it up? And that's the Christian population. That ha- more than half of every church congregation on a Sunday morning is not even registered to vote. And now ha- you're not going to get them to register to vote behaving the way the Republicans have been behaving. Yeah. And the more the Republican Party veers away from social issues, then the more the you know, the less likely it is that those are gonna those folks are gonna join. I mean they I mean they're they're you know, crawling away from the social issues, you know, slowly moving away from it and putting less emphasis on it. I mean, some are saying that's that's a good thing that you know actually helps the party, but if it is, you know, keeping those folks from from joining, I mean, it sounds like it could be a detriment. That's all I mean, at least through my experience, that's always been a big part of the Republican Party. Well, if they just stick to their platform, it. it's our platform. Why don't they stick to our platform? And you don't you don't need to go over and try to get Democrat voters. You need to go try to get the the African Americans or the Mexicans or the women or whoever the the gays or whoever. Leave them have their own people. Get the people who already agree with you, and stick to that. We would we could wake up a sleeping giant. We could have anything we wanted in this country if the church would wake up. Uh, <clears throat> Kelly here, can I comment on the church waking up? Sure, sure. of course. The 501c3 clause of the IOS disallows churches from talking about politics. Unless you're a Democrat. And anyway, um, that's right. And and they can pull the 501c3, and then they got to pay taxes, and the church will basically shut down. So that's what's. And there's a pastor locally. His name's Pasto. He's a neat guy. He wanted to have a, a home school, raise the kids, teach them about the founding fathers' constitution. He's cranking away. He's got a waiting list up here. Anyway, um, I talked to him about this once. He says, "Is this true? I've heard about this. Oh yeah, it's true. What do you do about it? So I basically ignore it." <laughs> <laughs> well, they can, they can discuss issues though, and they can dis, they can discuss uh, party plat. They, a church can hand out the party platform of any party out there of of all the parties, and say, okay, now I've yeah. taught you I've taught you the Bible, I've taught you uh, the the b- biblical worldview. Which one of these platforms do you think you, you ought to be voting on? You know, that is not against, that's already been proven in court. That's not against their 501c3. And and the, the thing is, some churches are are uh, moving away from that. They've got enough income coming in their church. They just go ahead and pay the, uh, the tax, and they have stopped uh, fooling around with the government. Um, but, I mean, there's a lot you can get away with. 
Yeah. Well, you, you, well, you the, simple, the simple fact you, you, the simple fact is that the church's responsibility is the salvation of souls. The party's responsibility right. is is to elect people who are going to govern according to the constitution. And if the party doesn't do that, which it hasn't been doing, it's going to alienate people who actually believe in the constitution. And like I said, you only need a couple of million who say, you know what, this party's not living up to constitutional principles, and you're done for. The Democrats have the advantage of appealing to people's emotions or genitals, and so people are going to go vote for them based on that. And so they're going to keep winning because they've got a strategy to win. Now, the fact is they don't deliver on any of the liberal policies that they allege that they stand for, but that's what people are going to keep getting. And the Republicans are the only option. And, I mean, this is, this is what people are not understanding. The Republican Party is the only option to stop democratic socialism from reigning supreme. And it seems that the Republican Party, with these rules, is simply saying, no, we really want the Democrats to win. That's how dangerous this is. I mean, you know, you're not going to get a libertarian candidate for president ever with the current ballot access rules in the states. You're going to have to change all of those. That's not going to happen by 2016. Sure, that's not probably not going to happen by 2020. It doesn't mean you don't work at it. It doesn't mean you don't build the parties up, you know, alternate parties up locally. But the fact is that the GOP is your only shot. And if these rules aren't changed, then that, that door's closed. So that's how important this is. And maybe if, if you know, Rince Priebus and Karl Rove and, 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 and those guys actually listen to what's going on out here in the real world, the flyover country, rather than listening to losers like Ginsburg, then this party could not only win, this party would dominate. They could, they could easily, the Republican Party could easily have 40 states, governors and legislators, as well as both houses and the presidency by 2016. That's how easy this is. But not if you're going to silence the grassroots and not if you're going to give people confidence that if they work hard volunteering their time and money uh, and, and getting to convention, that they're not going to be turned away at the last minute or have someone plant marijuana in their room or, or send them on a magical mystery tour in an armed guard bus, uh, mm -hmm. th then who's going to bother? Well, well, Rex, uh, Kelly here. Rex, I'm still stuck from the word genitals. Uh, <laughs> anyway, you know, I, I got to talk about you the grassroots. You did genetic, didn't you? <laughs> well, anyway, um, I, I want to talk about the power of the clergy, okay? <clears throat> we go back in history a little bit. We go back to uh, Nazi Germany where... Adolf Hitler says, hey, you know what, we're going to like double your salary, the state's going to pay you. And the pastor's like, woo-woo, great, but you cannot speak anything against us. And they didn't. And I met um, some of you had relatives in Nazi Germany, they're like, why did you support this? Well, our pastor said, you know, you must support the government, uh, Romans 13. Are you serious? And they really believe this crap. Anyway, we go back to the revolutionary days, and where was tyranny being opposed? That's right, the pulpit, the pulpit. And not only that, you know, a lot of Christians died for our country being inspired by the words of their pastor who was standing up against tyranny. And why is that? Oh, that's right, we go to Micah 6.8. What does God require of you? To do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. Justly, oh, that's right, oppose injustice. Isaiah 55, loose the cords of injustice. Uh, untie the, the yoke of oppression, then your light will dawn upon you. We are mandated. What did Christ do? He confronted the Pharisees. So the Christian right needs to stand up 
against the injustice. I'll say it again, Rex, even though you're chatting on uh, Facebook, terrible Latin, but I'll say it again. Fiat justitia ruat coelum. I missed that. I'm looking for that. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking for that. <laughs> there on, on the on the chat here. But anyway, I'd like to um, bring Mark was back into Kelly. the conversation. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, I was, I was just teasing Kelly about, about his bad Latin. Latin. <laughs> but, uh, well, would, that was would, back. Would you, would you properly quote us that phrase in Latin then? Uh, or maybe the enunciation. I researched that, but if you have the enunciation down. Well, Prince, no, I mean, you're, it's fine. I, I, I was just teasing the same for, you know, for shits and giggles. It's, it's no big deal. But no, I, I agree with you. I, I, I agree with you, and, and I think that, that it's important. But the, here's the problem. See, I think that, I think that, uh, political involvement for people who, who are Christians, uh, has to be properly understood in the American context. Because this isn't, uh, this isn't Christendom. This isn't an emerging country. This isn't, you know, it, it's different here. And, and what that means is don't be a lazy Christian and elect somebody who's going to evangelize for you through politics. You've got to do that work. What you're supposed to elect is somebody who's going to adhere to the supreme law, secular law of the land, which is the Constitution. That's what you're electing. So I don't want to elect all these panderers who, who speak. You know, look at John Boehner. John Boehner gives excellent pro-life speeches on the floor of the House. Okay, And I believe that in his heart he's a pro-lifer. But he hasn't done jack, and neither has the Republican Party about that issue. And even if they did, even if they outlawed abortion today, abortion would not stop in this country because you've lost the culture. So I think Christians need to get out there and engage the culture. But what you need to do is you need to elect people who are going to follow the Constitution. That's the problem. And and, and yes. unfortunately, when, when pastors get up to talk about this stuff, if they have the balls to do it, they're talking to you about instituting Christian laws in the land. Well, it doesn't work that way. Okay? So it's very simple. You, you have to have Christ in your heart, and you have to engage the culture. But when it comes to politics, it's the Constitution, not the Bible. And and until you get that right, you're never going to win because there are people who are not Christians in this country. There are more people who who identify as unchurched than ever in the history of of this country. It's probably one of the reasons the culture is so messed up. But you're not going to elect some douchebag politician like Rick Santorum and fix that. You're going to have to fix that yourself. Get off your lazy butt and quit relying on your pastor, and you get out there and you touch people where they are. You reach out to them, and you preach Christ. But when it goes to the ballot box... You'd better look at the Constitution and make sure that the guy that you're electing is actually going to stick to it. There you and if go. the Republican Party gives the grassroots that opportunity, you're done for. Because you know who speaks a Christian message better? It ain't the Republicans. It's the Democrats. They preach the social gospel, and they do it well. Mm-hmm. Why do you think blacks who go to church more than whites, generally speaking, as a percentage of population, keep voting for Democrats? So, you know, that's the problem that I have with this whole... Wait, 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 wait. I, 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 I got to correct you on a theological position here, uh, uh, Rex. First of all, <clears throat> there is no penalty in the Torah. No, see, I come from a long line of Jewish hog farmers, so I can cite the Torah. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you guys are getting my joke. I stuck in a few tonight. You really, you didn't laugh. All right. I was on. So, I was laughing. Okay. <laughs> So, anyway, in the Torah... I was on mute. Okay. 
In the Torah. <laughs> okay. I'm going to the Torah. There is no commandment for people to give to the government where the government gives back to the poor and the oppressed. There is no penalty for not giving to the Jewish government to give to the people who are impoverished. It is individual one on one. Oh, but in but in, in, in the you know, in Acts is the the second or third chapter, you know, there was socialism there. That's what the socialists say. See, nobody, everybody shared and there was no one in need. There was no penalty. It's between a person, their God, and that other person. Their, you know, while we were on talk show, just as we got beginning, there's some guy who was looking for a job. I helped him with a quick resume. I gave him eight bucks and off on his way. How efficient is that? That would be called 100%. Our government is, what, 30%, 35 with our social programs, it has failed. It, it, it's, it's frustrating beyond belief. And then we go back to, oh, you want to talk about scriptures and our country? Let's see what happened during the foundation of the Constitution. Men would argue, as men would do. You put 20 men in a room, they're going to argue. Then make some progress and then escalate, escalate. Stop, stop, everybody stop, let's pray. They stopped, they prayed. Boom, they made progress, escalate, pray, progress. Escalate, pray, progress. This document we have is inspired by providence. If Christians don't understand that, they get. A, they, I, I would hope that they begin studying because if I found there, how many of them are pastors or members of the clergy? They put something together that came right from heaven. And what we need to do is honor their efforts and their loss of blood, property, children, their own lives by continuing for our posterity what they set up for us through prayer. Hey, guys, it's Mark. I'm going to go to bed here soon. It's on the East Coast, and I'm heading out. Uh, oh, yeah. So. Any, go ahead, Mark. Any, any room for an Irish Catholic in this uh, conversation? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's definitely room for Irish. I'm Irish. I'm not Catholic, but I'm Irish. But, yeah, of course. Yeah, you're Catholic, Robert. You just don't know it. <laughs> no, I, guys, I gotta head out, but I, I will leave you with a, 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 with three sentences um, <clears throat> as we push forward with all this, because you guys have a, a great conversation going here. Uh, uh, I, I just want to say, as Paul said, no, no matter what happens, and we push forward, guys, with all this, and uh, you know, obviously, God comes first, and 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 taking care of our families and our friends, and our communities, regardless of political party. Right, regardless of uh, of what uh, political strength we have, uh, he he comes first, and um, and how we treat each other amongst ourselves every day, and and so we we, we you know we we take up sides and, and on issues and we push forward, and I, I just want to say that you know regardless of what happens with 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 the Republican Party and, and where it ends up, uh, with the rules in L.A. or or beyond. Um, you will always know that in the end, we, 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 I will fight to the end. And, and like Paul said, you know, I, I have fought the good fight. Mm-hmm. I have finished the race. And I kept the faith all the way through, guys. Yeah. And, and that's all I can do. Mark, let me add to that. Not by sight, but by faith. 
if you you can look all every day you can focus on all the negative and and it's impossible and it can't be done and it won't work and we're going to fail and all those words you know you you got to people need to stop speaking failure you know that's in the bible too believe it or not How yeah i just checked on? my calendar chris and uh good friday it always comes before easter sunday <laughs> wow! Yeah, I mean, I mean, this well, before, is before you can you, teach success principles all day long, right out of the Bible. But one of the most important things is you have to get your your mind right, and you have to get your speech correct. You know, I, I we're gonna win. You know, Mark said this earlier. He said, you know, we we're not hearing this. We're hearing everybody right on the edge of stepping out. That's just that whole concept of you know, it's like. A, what's a marriage? Fifty-fifty? No, it's a hundred. A hundred. It's that mm-hmm. mindset. You have you have to determine that you're going to win, and that's why for me. And I was saying this earlier, and I, I wasn't sure if people, you know, I say it a lot, but I'm not sure people are understanding this. I'm focused on 2014 because 2016 will define itself out of 2014. So I'm going to focus wow. on the thing that I can invest myself into, and and. And something I believe has tangible success at the end of it. There's a lot of good people out there getting ready to gear up to fight and win in 2014. So I'm picking a battle that's a winning battle, and that's how I I think. Yeah, I'm you know, I'm a strategist. I think out a long ways. But right now, this is the focus point that I can focus on where I believe there's success to be had. Wow, that's well well said, Chris. Hey, Mark, I wanted it. I wanted to give Mark a compliment here. First okay, of all, Hebrews Hebrews six ten. Okay, that's encouraging words. That you read it tomorrow. That that is an honor to you. I give you a Hebrews six ten compliment. Secondly, um, in in the, in the words of uh, Rick Green, <clears throat> congressman in Texas, he said this: "Actions are ours, results are God's." Bingo. Well, Mark, I want you know I want to get the get it out. I wanted to thank you very much for coming on to the show tonight. Um, we really appreciate your in, input. And you know, I was speaking with um, we were speaking with Morton uh, Blackwell tonight, and hopefully after the the spring meeting, uh, we can have everyone back on and uh, go over the results and what happened there, and then move forward. So, um, thank you very much again. Yeah, and, and guys, you, uh, you know. Hey, Robert, thank you, and, 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 and uh, you know, you guys, uh, t- take a look at that resolution that I put forward um, outside of the rules. You know, the, the rules are the big issue in Los Angeles, but I am bringing this this resolution as well. There's other things going on, and, um, you know, there, there, are, there are other things outside of the rules that, that have to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, take care, and if uh, we, we don't talk to you before, uh, or if I don't talk to you before you, you head out there to uh, the meeting, you have a uh, good and safe trip. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thank you, Mark, for doing Thanks, what Mark. you do. Thank you, guys. Bye, Mark. Bye-bye. Bye, Robert. Bye, See guys. You, you, got, you going too, Cindy? You take care. Oh, yeah, I got to go. <laughs> okay, well, you have a good night. Thank you for going in. You know, I'm a homeschooler. I got to teach in the morning. No, oh, indeed. I'll see y'all later. Right. See you Bye, Trini. Night. Night. Night, Trini. Glad you're here. Bye. Thanks. Um, you have to you have to protect I, your mind. Yeah. Hey, real, real quick, gentlemen, uh, we do have about 
uh, 10 minutes of uh, recording time before I shut things down, so I just want to put that out there. Go ahead, um, Kelly, you're going to say? Well, I was waiting to hear everybody's closing thoughts, but I'll end with the words of uh, Alexis Tocqueville. And he wrote, he penned this in the 1850s. He said this, In America, there are many men of principle in both parties, but there is no party of principle. Interesting. And that's going to bring us to definitely, uh, we'll have some closing thoughts here in the last 10 minutes. Um, so we'll uh, go over to uh, to Chris. Rex. Go ahead, Rex. Oh, go ahead, Rex. Um, well, the only thing that I'll say is that, uh, you know, when it comes to politics, it's 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 nice to have passion. <clears throat> it's nice to have principle. But ultimately, the only thing that matters is the shit that you get done. And the fact is that the only thing on the federal level that is going to possibly get anything done to stem the tide of tyranny is the Republican Party. So for all you libertarians, Constitution Party people, and independents or what have you, uh, you know, coming from someone who is not affiliated with the Republican Party, you have to support the Republican Party on the federal level. You've got no other shot. These rules crush the grassroots to the point where it will cost you seats in 2014. It may cost you 2016. Uh, because rhinos don't win. And if you want to run a Rand Paul, a Ted Cruz, these rules have to be fixed. Now, Mark Willis and Morton Blackwell are working hard to make that happen, but they have to have ammunition, which means that you have to do the heavy lifting. There are only 168 members. If you call 30 of them and email them every day from now until the spring meeting, you will hit all of them. If millions do that, then they will know that those are voters who know that if these rules aren't changed, we'll walk away. That guarantees losses. That's the kind of pressure it takes to make them change the rules. And for all of you who have given up on the GOP at the federal level, just remember that these rules were put in place out of weakness, not out of strength. We are winning. The rhinos are losing. They're in desperate death rows. So don't just bitch and post about what Obama's doing. Who cares what Obama is doing? If you want to stop him, then you better make damn sure that you have a conservative Republican uh, House and Senate in 2014. You're not going to get that without changing these rules. So instead of <clears throat> watching Dancing with the Douchebags or you know what Bieber's Monkey did, why don't you just take 45 minutes a day hit 30 of these RNC committee people and tell them that you're walking away if they don't fix the rules. I'm done. Bingo. There no, you it's go. beautiful. Uh, and that's, see, the thing is, is it, it, like what I was saying earlier earlier tonight, was people are, are you, you have to be polite. You have to, you know, talk to people like human beings and you can't abuse people. But at the same time, you have to get your point across. You're not calling them to to hopefully get them to understand that you would like for something to be done. You're calling them to tell them that, do you want to lose again? No? Okay, here's what you need to do. Because I guarantee you, me and a whole bunch of other people have already got one foot out the door, and if you want to lose, 
again, then don't change the rules. If you want to win, then you need to get down there and fight with Blackwell and Mark Willis and Chuck and uh, get this crap done. Yeah, it, it is. It is a. It's a polite command. You know, you have to be polite because you're dealing with a human being to some degree, and you know, it's a politician. But they need to know. You know, because it's it's so important that you realize that they're just an elected official. Somebody elected them. They can be unelected. All right, and and you are the power. It is amazing how. We have 311 million Americans, and yet we are we are held at bay and living in fear by a couple hundred people that we put in power. It's just amazing to me to see the difference of the average American today versus my childhood or versus what the founding fathers decided they needed to do. They understood that it was we the people. Now we just stand around and wait for the next news story to come out, you know, to tell us, what some congressman or the president or the house has done to control our lives. We're, we're, we live in fear. That is not an American. You've got to step up and be an American. You have to be a citizen. Don't be a subject. You have to make a decision that you are a citizen and, and then act like one. And that's just a you know, fuel on what Rex was saying. I'm done. All right, well, thank you, gentlemen, and uh, thanks, ladies. Uh, Cindy, for calling into uh, the show. I know she's um, left, but, of course, uh, thank you, Rex and Chris and Kelly, and, of course, to our other guests, uh, Mark Willis, Chuck, and Mr. <laughs> Morton Blackwell. I had a brain freeze there for a second. Um, uh, for coming on to the show, and, of course, thank you to uh, those in the chat uh, who have participated or listening, and also those um, listening live or in the archives uh, to the show. Of course, uh, we look forward to having everyone back again. So, uh, everyone, take care. Good night. And I will end the, tonight's show, as I do every night, with a song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music at www.aubreyashburn.com. And, of course, uh, places to check out will be the Tex and Rec show, which you can hear on Sunday evenings at 10 p.m. till midnight Eastern time. And you can also check out the Coalition of Freedom Facebook page and also www.liberty.com. And also check out the website for the constitutionalwar.com. It's not .com, it's .org. So once again, good night, take care, and hope to see you again.